Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A laptop mic. Are you wow. sure? Are you sure? Oh, I want to see this for myself. You didn't oh. give us any warning. I could have said anything. Oh, six watching. Six oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, go for it. Do it. I'm, I'm on it. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we're back in the rugby dungeon after the European finals and uh, 160 minutes of. The most elite domestic rugby in the Northern Hemisphere to talk about. And that's exactly what we're going to do, among all the other stories going on in the rugby world. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you also for watching. We're currently streaming on YouTube. And clearly some people have started to get the hang of the fact that around about 9pm on a Sunday evening... Something will happen. Something will happen. So, fair play. Uh, leave your comments there and uh, we can filter those into the show. That's JB. Hello, Tim. Going very uh, neon tonight. Yeah. Uh, so, the reason I've got this is because I used to have an orange one which I wore to death, literally until it came apart. And then my mum, because I told her that I threw my orange one away, went out and bought me this neon green one. <laughs> so I've got, I have to wear it, really. It's a beautiful colour. It, it is. is beautiful. It brings up my trainers. Um, <laughs> do, we, do, we have, do we have any sad music? I feel like we need it right now because um, Phil no longer resembles Hamish Watson. No. At least on top of his head. Much He's had better. his haircut. Much, much better. It is much better, yeah. It, it is. is much better. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you say that. But it's, it was it's sad to see it go. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just. I was looking back at some pictures of my um, on my phone with sad music, with some sad music and a tear <laughs> in my eye. Um, and the 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 best time, the saddest time, was actually not getting rid of the mullet, but getting rid of the moustache that I had for about two oh, weeks. Yeah, yeah. The, that combo, which I don't think we ever did a a um, YouTube live pod with the moustache. And the mullet combo. But to get rid of the, both of them is disappointing. It is. It is. But you look great. Thank you. Oh, and Thank by you, way, happy birthday. Thank you, JB. Thank you. That's why there's Mississippi mud pie. That's uh, why. I don't just dish out Mississippi Phil. mud pie for no reason. Well, we, Phil, Phil, came, we, Phil came with Mississippi mud pie, which is wonderful, I have to say. It's even more wonderful than your wonderful stolen. Well, we know what we, <laughs> we, we, know what we drink on, on our birthday, don't we, Phil? Uh, <laughs> Delicious Strong Zero right here for you. Should oh. you want it? Should you want, do you want one now? Do you want one? Uh, I've got to oh. drive home later. Uh, maybe if we can get a chance sometime soon, though. Yes. Maybe crack one. Because I've actually I bought um, a similar store mm. for myself. I got you six cans, and I've, I've got a similar wow. number at home as well. 
This is like when um, Nazi war criminals used to keep cyanide underneath their uh, <laughs> false, teeth, false teeth, isn't it? Very similar principle. Just in case. Just in case. If it all gets too much for me. Wow. I do like that this, this is typical of rugby clubs and... You can play rugby with people for years and years and years, or in this case, do a podcast with someone for years and years and years and have no idea what their birthday is. I played rugby for years with people who I d- don't really know what they did for a job or anything yeah. like that, yeah. or who, yeah. who, their, who their missus was or anything. Yeah. So interestingly, I thought, not thought, but it was sort of common knowledge in Colm Bay Rugby Club where I used to play, that everyone's birthday fell between somewhere mid-May... Everybody. <laughs> to end, end of August. End of August. <laughs> Everyone's Facebook was, because it was like top secret. If your birthday was known to yeah. the, the lads in the rugby club, my word, were you in for a hard bus ride. Yes. Death pint. Yeah, death pints. It was awful, actually. <laughs> so let me just do a couple of bits of admin before we get into the the meat and two veg of the podcast. Um, if, if you want to see just how bright and neon JB's top is, and some of the other jerseys that are around in the rugby dungeon. Have you, have you sent the, de- the jerseys to the patrons yet? Uh, not not the... Um, I'll take the... What's it called? Aaron Smith one. Not Aaron Smith. Aaron. The TJ Perinara one. Okay, cool. I'll take the PJ. Oh, Hurricanes, TJ. yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yes, but we will have another shirt giveaway coming up soon. Uh, and we also... Have you put... Have you... I'm firing it back at you. Have you put information about North Dorset Sevens up? On no! The- and I'll tell you why. Because we've got a team manager. So I'm just organising the... <laughs> Actual logistics of this, but things are going very well. We've got a military, a military, a mi- mali- mini- a mili- ex-military manager. A, a, manager. No, well, an actual military man, a captain. Wow, a captain. Wow, a current serving captain in her Royal Majesty's for- in her Royal Majesty's forces is team manager for our seven side. Yeah. Ten side. So, uh, w- me and Lee will be sorting out exactly what's going to happen. But obviously, we've got a sevens team who are you know ten of- team. No, no. No, no. Ooh. We've got a sevens team, okay. which will be full of young, sprightly men. And we've got a veterans tens team. So we're fielding... We've got both. Two, we've, got two, we've got two lots of teams to fill wow. out. So, yeah, it's going to be... A, are they playing on different days? Yeah, so if you've sent an email in, I am not ignoring you. We are compiling the emails. I'm trying to work out who plays and which, te- which teams. But because we've got Lee on the case. Okay. Captain Lee. So the, the, the headline details for that, North Dorset sevens, Gillingham... Dorset on the 23rd, 24th, 25th of July, which is the weekend of the Lions South Africa first test, which will be played at the club. There'll be loads of drinking going on at the club. There'll be loads of rugby people at the club. Hopefully some good weather in a lovely part of the world. Egg Chasers will have a team there. And uh, if you want to be part of it and play for our team, come along and join us, whether it's as a spectator or, as I say, as a player. Contact eggchasers at gmail.com is our email. Mm -hmm. Uh, And priority tickets for for, for the live show we'll be doing on the Sunday there. Uh, will be via Patreon, but they'll be available more generally afterwards. But to support us, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. That is correct. And we're on YouTube. <clears throat> right, oh, one thing, uh, a little little guess who. Mm. Who did I see house hunting on my street yesterday? Oh. AJ McGinty? No. It, uh, is it a, a sale player? Must be. Yes. Must be. Mm. Oh, well, well, no. Uh, it's Alex Anderson then. <gasps> no. 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 I- Tommy Taylor. Tommy Taylor. Oh, really? Yeah. Tommy, it, so I was driving. How's he feel? I mean, I, I know how Jake Hooper-Woolley feels to be the second best tight head on, um, on the street, <laughs> but how did Tommy Taylor take it? The second best hooker on, uh, on my street. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I uh, actually, there's a, no, oh, don't worry, I'm going to make a joke then, but I won't. Um, so no, I, I, I was driving my lad to, uh, to Carrington, funnily enough. Ah. He, he had a game at, at Carrington at Sale's old training ground, which is now Sale FC. Um, and... I, I drove past it. I double take. I swear that's Tommy Taylor. I just stopped my car in the middle of the road, walked back 
30 metres up the road, leaving my car with my son in it and the engine on. He said, Tommy! And then, yeah, he's he's looking for a house. Um, wow. So obviously he's coming back to Manchester. So we might have another Chalton neighbour. Yeah. Rugby-based mm. rugby neighbour. We've got Jono up the road. Yeah. We've got uh, Coops on... I, mean, they're right, they're right. I think there's a fourth one some, somewhere. And then and then Tommy Taylor. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, well, we've needed some... On my street, we've needed someone for a long time that spans the gap between myself, really, really low-ranking mm. uh, profile, and Simon Rimmer, who lives at the end of the road. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in, like, the... the Perfect. The best example of the best house on a street. His house is, like... <laughs> it is, like, old-fashioned, where the, the master was at... I heard a story about Simon Rimmer the other day. But He's a good sure. bloke. He's a good bloke. Do, do, do you hang around in, like, celebrity parties, do you? Oh, yeah, obviously. All the time, yeah. Standard. Uh, okay. Anyway, so there we go. Um, right. There's a bit of news. Let's rattle through that. Six Nations looks set to stay on the um, on the BBC and ITV. Reaction? Good. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Happy with that? Yeah. There's, I'm not not happy with it. And yeah, there's no <laughs> downside for me. I'm, I'm not uh, idealistic enough to, to think it has to be on there. But if it's on there, great. It makes everything easier. And it means that more people Although, can, can watch it. I will say I'm confused about it. Because I was under the impression that... well. <laughs> It makes you wonder what's true and what's not about CVC. Because the way CVC has been reported, and as you well know, I'm not a massive CVC fan. Um, they were always going to put Six Nations behind the paywall. So why haven't they? Well, my understanding of it was, the story originally was it was going behind a paywall, but that was only because um, the, the original CVC plan, or the original plan um, for the retender was you couldn't do joint bids. And the only way that, that um, it was free to air, free to air in, in the loosest sense of the word, um, was because ITV and BBC had done a joint bid, and that allowed them to outbid the lights of Sky. And... Well, no, I believe that I believe they're getting less money for this current deal than well, they would have got by, I mean, by quite a significant yeah. amount. I and, believe, and that would really? stack up. Yeah. So okay, the Six Nations sponsored by Guinness, I believe, is less lucrative than the old one, which is RBS. Uh, the deal with Gallagher is less lucrative than the old uh, deal with um, Aviva. Uh, Avicii, yeah, yeah, Avicii, yeah. Um, Avicii. Oh yeah, poor I old Avicii. Needs to do that. <laughs> um, and what's the other one? There's another one as as well. Yeah, the TV deal, of course, with BT is slightly less than the last deal with BT. So it's trending in a certain way, and it's not in a good way. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not in a good way. Mm. Um, that that is interesting though, because Six Nations is one of those sporting tournaments that is, well, it is one of the best sporting tournaments in the world. And it's not, in my mind, the Six Nations is not kind of getting any worse, getting any weaker. There's more storylines being written every year. You have competition like this year. You could have had well, one of five teams winning it. Yeah, I wonder if we sort of get a little bit myopic as rugby follow rugby union enthusiasts who actually watch the club game. Because it feels week in, week out, the club game is getting buffeted by all sorts of headwinds. And yet, if you don't watch club rugby and you only watch Six Nations, you would assume quite the opposite, actually. I guess that's true. I think one thing that's probably worth mentioning, um, because this this may come up in future conversations about various other things, but it appears that fan power may have played a role in this decision. Because, like I say, it, it appears that they're actually getting less money than they could have got by going with Sky, let's say. But um, fans were riled up to the extent that politicians started hopping on board the train. They? they love an opportunity, yeah. yeah. Which which politician? I can't, I can't remember, but people were piping up about how it should stay on 
terrestrial TV. So it's, it's well, something of a U-turn, as you as you said. Yeah. So there are certain events that are kind of written into law have to be free to air. Wimbledon, boat race, yeah, really? stuff like that. Yeah, Grand but National. Six Nations in the past has be, um, certain people have tried to campaign to get it that written to law, so it has to remain free to air. It's my understanding oh, that, that that is is not the case, as in it is not that. So it, it does surprise me that um, CVC would go for a, a, yeah. a deal that is well, I, um, I, I may be wrong. less beneficial. Let me know if I've got that wrong. I, but what's what I'm what I'm understanding is it was it was less money. Um, but yeah, obligatory. You all, you already hinted at it. My obligatory mentioned that um, it's not behind a paywall. Uh, sorry, sorry it, it is. Half, it's not not behind half a paywall. Of, half of the Six Nations is behind a paywall because ITV are funded by advertising. BBC are funded by your subscription. Yeah. yeah. Well, your tax. And if you want a television in your house that you have to, that you want to be able to watch them on <laughs> by, by penalty of jail. So it's not yeah. it's not free to air. I am 156 quid. Very conflicted at the moment about the whole fan power thing. I know it's more of a football thing than us. I mean, I can't. I mean, if I'm not com- campaigning for it, who who is? Because I don't know if we've got that many <laughs> fans. But, um, yeah, I mean, who owns this stuff? Who should be able to say who who it's sold to, who it isn't sold to? Where, the, you know, where do the implications of that lie? Does it benefit rugby? Does it not benefit rugby? I, I don't particularly like it. I mean, I've not heard any politicians getting involved, but well, if there is a politician Martin involved... Martin Lewis on live chat says... Forget that. It was Cardiff West... Well, Cardiff West Kevin... Kevin Kevin Brennan MP was one of them. Now, he's a he's a councillor, isn't he? He says Member of Parliament here. Where? For which for, for which constituency? <laughs> for West Cardiff. Oh, right. Okay, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> You're naughty, Beardmore. <laughs> anyway, so that, that's, that's bobbling on. What else? Mike Brown has appealed his six-week ban, as we suggested he should, because it's a, yeah, it's a win-win dice. for Quinns. Yeah. yeah, Newcastle might be without a full-back for the first ten weeks of next season. <laughs> Or else they get a player maybe for a Premiership final. Kieran Crowley has replaced Franco Smith as, as Italian coach. He's done a good job at Benetton. Your, be, your beloved Benetton, JB. He's got international experience with, with a Canada with, with a tier two side in Canada, so he should fit <laughs> yeah. well in Italy. Yeah, and Franco Smith has been retained but moved sideways, sideways slash upwards di- diagonally in yeah. one direction or another. He's been parked. Yeah, yeah. but he's still still employed. I'd love to have that job. Well, be, the job to be moved. Sideways. Think Scott Johnson for Scotland. I could do that job. <laughs> but you, you'd be the head man. I, I, yeah, the head man. Well, I don't want any coaching or responsibility. <laughs> I'd like the pay packet. If you could yeah, just put no, me upstairs somewhere. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on? Australia have launched the 2027 Rugby World Cup bid. Which so I'm, I'm right in saying that it's only currently Australia and Russia for 2027. Well, Russia, do, no. You no part of me wants Russia you, to no, have it. absolutely not. I'm all for, hey, and listen, I, I, you won't find a bigger advocate for growing the game in, in new territories, new areas, but it's much much like at some point we'll probably have a conversation about the um, the Dubai Sevens and the Hong Kong Sevens and the, the, actually whether they should be going ahead. Uh, well, there, Hong, there are some Hong things, Kong Sevens. There are some, the Hong Kong Sevens, certainly. There are some things which are more important than... Um, just money than just money yeah and russia uh got the fifa world cup uh pretty much on the back of that alone i i, I seem to think yeah not massive i mean I, look if russia I get it they get it and i'm not entirely comfortable whether it be dubai or hong kong or russia been sidelined because of politics i i know why you would want to do it but i wouldn't do it um 
the reason I don't want Russia to get it is because I don't want to bloody go to Russia. That, I mean, that's <laughs> it's a purely selfish thing. It's a purely selfish thing. Mm. Yeah, Australia could be could be a good. Bid Send it to Argentina. Argentina be very. They're not bidding. Uh, why? You need to, you need to get a that needs a, to happen. Either a combined South what? Americas or combined Americas. I mean, Ireland well, haven't got to, a stadium. Well, South and, South and North America, but like Canada, USA, that's begging to happen. And, and yeah. there's talk about potentially America throwing their hat in the ring for 2031. Oh. The, pro- the, problem with, the problem with Ireland is... Infrastructure? That, well, yeah, infrastructure, hotels. I, if, if The figures that I got told for the Japan World Cup was nearly half a million visitors flowing into the country for that eight-week period. Mm. That ha- that's a 10% increase in Ireland's population. It's they, mad, they, isn't it? I'm not sure they can actually house oh, that many people. They would have to share one, with one time. Wales and Scotland, I guess. It would, it would have to be like a yeah, home nations or Celtic nations type um, approach. Celtic nations would be. I think they that could, would be. That would be pretty cool. They could do that. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't know what stadiums they, they did use Wrexham last time. Well, when Wales held it in '99, was, was there? A, there was a couple of games in Wales and Scotland. Was it Wales and Scotland for the yeah. England World Cup in 2015? Say between the football stadiums in Glasgow, the. Murrayfield, you've got a few in Scotland, and all the football grounds in Liberty, Scotland. Yeah. Got, Cardiff Stadium, Liberty, Cardiff Principality. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do at least some of it in Ireland. Yeah. Be, that would be but awesome. We've got to have one in the States before then. Come on, hundred yeah. percent. I'm, I'm not advocating it. I'm just <laughs> saying. In fact, gen- genuinely, I'd prefer America to get 2027. Tell you what, the, I, the, the Ibiza World Cup when they finally have that is going to be <laughs> it's going to be quite something, isn't it? Spain would Spain, be great. Yeah, Spain, and would, Spain, the, would, be Spain awesome. would be great. They've got the hotels, they've got the beaches, yeah. they've got yeah. the stadiums. You, yeah, and if you wanted to, if you had, you know, if you couldn't take all that time off work, you could just do weekends. I from the UK, tell you what, you? if. If hypothetically Romania made the Spanish World Cup, they'd be treated to some pretty <laughs> poor grounds, wouldn't they? Some pretty rum hotels. Yeah. Some pretty bad um, food as well. Culinary <laughs> <laughs> skills. Can you imagine seeing. Staying like, a, 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 a hundred miles in, inland in Spain. Yeah, <laughs> so be. But on the flip side, can you imagine going to watch uh, like France v New Zealand in the, in the new camp? Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. I can absolutely imagine that. Yeah. It's so good. Well, Castle and Dragon sold something like 15,000 tickets in. In the new camp, which is actually amazing. Yeah. I well, think the, it was one of the highest attended Super League games of either the season or like last 10 years or something ridiculous. Well, the, um, the game that we went to in Madrid was, I, I know it was, it's not the biggest stadium, about 15,000, 16,000, but incredibly, it was totally sold out mm. and incredibly knowledgeable and passionate crowd as well. It was a good. Like, crowd. There is and the King of Spain was there. And of course, King Carlos. Yeah. King, was King Carlos? King Carlos of Spain. That's his name, isn't it? Oh, not Carlos Spencer. The actual king. The actual king. I can't remember. You, I don't know. I seen something in my head. Were, were you thinking um, of Roberto Carlos? Oh, Albert. Al, Albert. Was it, no, no. no. Prince Albert's Monaco. Oh, yeah, you're right. Let's have a look. Uh, it, maybe I'm thinking of Ashley Giles. <laughs> king of Spain. Uh, that, that was his oh, nickname, the King well, of Spain. Yeah, king of Spain. Um, <laughs> which is ridiculous, because he couldn't turn Prince, it for toffee. Is it... Um, well, yeah, Carlos, Juan Phil- Carlos, king... Oh, is that Philip. former... I thought it was Philippe. Which is the one who's really corrupt who's going to come back? Philippe the sixth. Is he the is he the bearded younger guy? He's that guy. Yes, that's that's who turned up. Philippe, King Philippe. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Anyway, he he came because he heard we had a tier two tour there. Exactly. Exactly. Those egg chaser boys are going fine. I'm there. uh, He's actually an avid listener. I don't know if you know that. Add him to the list. Add him to the list, indeed. You going for a coffee with him this week? (laughs) No, I'm not. I wonder who the highest profile. Listener, we have is 
Because we, we know we've I've got, got a, a secret list. I've got a secret list. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shame them. No, on, no, no. On, I'm not uh, suggesting you name any, but I'm just. It's just some, some, something I suddenly wondered. I wonder if, like, during the Six Nations, you know, Prince William maybe went onto his podcatcher app and just typed in rugby. Well, I mean, went, he, oh, he, let's check these yeah. guys out. I mean, he does know about podcasts now. Officially, he's got his own podcast. Oh, he has. Yeah. Ooh. So you know, it probably got the idea from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they can uh, do it, I can do it. Speaking of listeners, I feel like I must apologise today. Uh, so I was at um, Wilmslow Rugby Club this morning uh-huh. with young Thomas and a very nice chap came over, shook my hand and said, hello, long time listener. And I was, <laughs> as I kind of always am, I never, I, I don't know, I never <laughs> expect anyone to ever say anything like that. So I was a bit, I was, I don't know, I was probably a bit... Um, Starstruck. Yeah. Not, so, not Starstruck. Not Starstruck. That's the, not the right word. Yeah, the opposite dumbfounded. Dumbfounded. Dumbfounded, yeah. yes. Yeah. So... I pr- he, he was a very, very nice chap. He, he, he actually said he sent us some beer. Oh, is it Phil? No, Phil. I can't, I can't remember, but we did. you did pass on some Cheshire-based beer. Yes, I did. A year well, or a couple of I, years I don't ago. Remember. I, I think that was one of the times JB drank my share. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened a few times, but that beer was absolutely delicious. So I, I must apologise to this chap, and if he sees me again, say hello again. Well, someone called Chris shouted, Hi, JB, out of a car in Trollton. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. You, you must be so used to it, Tim. You get spotted all over the place all the time. No, I, g- genuinely, I don't. But the, I remember one time I got some friends I got some friends of mine to come up for a Noel Gallagher gig in Manchester. <clears throat> and this is when I was on the radio on XFM. And if there's one concert you could go to where mm. you're guaranteed to find XFM listeners, yeah, it would yeah. be a Noel Gallagher show. So it was, it was a weird occasion where like, loads of my mates that don't normally, you know, came up to Manchester. We went to bars in town and they were like, Oh, they thought I was legit famous. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a weird time. Places around um, Castlefield Bowl area. Well, XFM, all the bars we went to, they went, Tim, Tim, Tim. <laughs> well, I, XFM awesome. did I have a pretty hardcore music like listenership. They, they were like quite into it. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah big time. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, every now and again I check the ratings and Chris Moyles is still lower than where I was. But, I, know, I'm yeah. surprised he even has a job, Tim. I'm surprised he even got a job. <laughs> Pathetic. Nick, well, he nicked it after all, so fair enough. Yeah. And he, and he, he's getting paid a lot more than I either used to. So. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true. But anyway. It all works out. Um, do, do you want to talk about the European Cup finals? Because they yeah. happened. Yeah. Where yeah. should we start? Should we do it chronologically? Yes. Or uh, no, in order of Let's go with the big magnitude. one. Yeah. Let's go with the magnitude, yeah. Yeah. So La Rochelle-Toulouse. This, this was an interesting game. Now, this was a brilliant finish. Oh, yeah, it I, really the, was. The last, last, uh, last 10 minutes, really, after... Toulouse scored that penalty to put them 10 points clear. And La Rochelle, it was the time in the game when, the only time in the game really that either time properly opened up. And La Rochelle knew they had to score twice. They had to score a try. And they actually opened up and started playing. And they looked great to the point where you're like, why have you not been doing this since earlier on? Why have you not been trying to get quick ball, keep the ball, keep the ball alive? Keep it. Keep it. Yeah, yeah. They looked amazing for that last 10 minutes, and it was kind of disappointing that it, it took that long for the final to open up. But it reminded me of the other all-French affairs that we've seen where we saw... Bordeaux-Toulouse. Uh, was no, Bordeaux-La Rochelle. Toulouse-Rassing. Yes. Where, and was there Toulouse-Clermont? Who played Clermont? Who beat... Yeah, anyway. It, on all those games, including this one, it almost felt like they were too afraid to lose the game mm. to really go on to to try and win the game, um, which is understandable. 
but slightly disappointing as a spectacle, albeit we did get that amazing finish. Yeah. I disagree with that. I disagree. Which, which bit? The, they're too scared to lose it. I put the performances down to something else. So I thought the second half, the whole second half, was one, one of the most gripping games outside of an international which I've seen. And what I thought I saw was two teams who couldn't impose their will on the other team. And I think their game is basically done via an equation, which is we win the physical battle, and once we win that physical battle, then we can do the things with the backs, which we, which we need to do. And because they, neither team could get the better... I mean, some of the defence in that was awesome. The, the physicality the, was yeah, off yeah, the chart. It was. That, it was. It really was. And I'm thinking, like, they're not opening up here because they're not, they're not happy that they've not got the physical upper hand yet. And that's why... It wasn't sort of like, oh, we don't want to play because we're, we're worried about it. Well, we don't want to play because we can't play. You can't keep the ball alive unless you get over the game line. And I think that was, in my mind at least, that was the difference. Yeah, albeit what changed in the last 10 minutes. Because certainly La Rochelle's physicality, they didn't in the last 10 minutes improve that. They, weren't, they were going wide because they had to go wide. Well, I, I, I do think that was the reason why we didn't see Toulouse play the way Toulouse can with that yeah. all-court all game because they certainly couldn't get that physical foothold. Yeah. I actually think yeah. with La Rochelle, they did get that physical foothold but didn't use it in a way that they could. Well, that, whether that was the conditions, the stage... I mean, that's not to take anything away from Toulouse because their defence was excellent, so maybe it was that. Well, towards the end, Toulouse start, started to kick more and then Raymond Rule and co could then... Uh, counter-attack back back in but I just loved I loved the arm wrestle I thought mm. it was it reminded me of really tense international affairs when they're just you know battering each other I, I thought it was absolutely awesome it was a particularly that second half as you say it was an awesome spectacle do, do you want to know something amazing about these two teams Go on. it was reported in the Times so it's not my fact it could be it's either Owen, it's either Owen Slot or it's uh, Alex Lowe so it it's one of those two. And if it's not one of those two, I apologise. Um, that La Rochelle have two of the biggest players in the entire game, as we well know. and they're both, Antonio and Will Skelton. Yeah. yeah. And they're both in the region of like 140, something like that. They're enormous. Uh, yeah, they, they, they could be, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. If, and if you're an American listener, that, that is like um, well, nearly like 300. 300 yeah, pounds. Yeah. Big old boys. Yeah. However, Toulouse have the heavier average pack weight, which blows my mind. <laughs> that blows my mind. Wow. Like you get these enormous blokes yeah. in, and yet they're still not quite big enough. Well, it is these two are seriously heavyweight packs because we we saw what La Rochelle did to, um, well, Sale, yeah. most notably, but also Leinster, which is yeah. an international pack. Like that Leinster pack is mm. legit an in- international pack. I think La Rochelle will have nightmares. They'll wake up in the middle of the night uh, and. They, they will watch that like they watch a horror movie, but particularly, I think it was like 30 minutes to half time, knocking up the door, yeah. and they, oh. they, they blew it. Oh. Scrum after scrum, they had, a, they had a dominant scrum. The two times Bottier, this is just before his red card. Oh, yeah, no, because it must have been earlier than that, because uh, yeah, the, it was just before Bottier's red card. Bottier had two goes at it, and they fluffed it up both times. Yeah. Penalty after penalty, and they didn't take advantage. Then Bottier gets the red card, and... As much as, you know, Ronan O'Gara was very honest afterwards and John O'Gibbs, but Ronan O'Gara was moaning about the penalty that wasn't given at the death. But he, all of the focus when they talk about that game should be that period from, I think it might, maybe it was 20 minutes to half an hour where they had to score and they. Well, the reality of the situation is we would have been having free rugby 
if Kerbalo, not Kerbalo, Ken Barlow, Ken Barlow, Ken Barlow, it wasn't Ken Barlow, it was a, uh, uh, Ohio West kicked two, uh, eight, two kicks. Eight points missed, two pens yeah. and a conversion. Oh, was it two pens? Oh, he, then he, he wins hit, it. But he, he hit the post twice, twice, <sighs> of which if if he'd have slotted those two, because one was a conversion, one was a penalty, if he slots those two post misses, and that's it, is free and, rugby. And the second, mm-hmm. uh, or one of those kicks that hit the post was what led to all of those scrums on yeah, their line, yeah, yeah. Where, they, where they couldn't then 20, punch 25 it in. minutes, yeah, because yeah. they did. Because even towards the end of that first half, before and after Bottier um, got the red card, they had all that possession, and I think they maybe got one penalty out of it. But they should have. They had they, after that um, where it hit the post, um, they had a scrum because Toulouse took it over their line. They had an attacking scrum five meters out, just to the right hand side of the post, a perfect attacking scrum, and. They won the penalty from the scrum, but the pass which would have put, oh. I think it was Doolan in, was over his head and he knocks yeah. it on. Yeah. There, well, there so much, many opportunities there. Maybe this is not a real thing that happened, but maybe it is. Do you think that, for whatever reason it is, La Rochelle have won over a lot of hearts in, in rugby? Massively. It feels like it. Massive. Everyone loves an underdog, Hugely, don't they? Yeah, but they're not an underdog. Well, they, no, they <laughs> are. They are. So they, they've so never, they've never won the top fourteen. Never won the top fourteen. No. And, and so Exeter's journey from the second division in England to Champions of Europe took what ten or eleven years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, La Rochelle, if they'd have won yesterday, would have done it in seven. That is true. Yeah, and, and, and they've missed a step because they've not won a domestic trophy. Yeah. And they have a couple of lads, in fairness, who have been there the whole time. Antonio and I think Aldrit has been there the whole time. I, yeah, there's, there's at least, I think there might be they've, three guys or, or that, maybe it's got, that it, played in the second division three, that were in the team yesterday. It might have been Doolan, might have been one of them. Yeah, there was, it's, oh, no. unless no. Doolan's come back because Doolan's been oh, no, no, he's around a little bit. Anyway, it was at least two or three of the guys played in the second division when they got promoted seven years ago. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a cool story. It's an but awesome story. There's no part. You know, when you watch me, think not exactly an underdog. You know, not exactly. Uh, so you know, I do know that. Lucky amateurs on on paper, the teams match up pretty nicely. Albeit, probably Toulouse do have the bigger names and the bigger stars. Yeah. But it's not it's not an underdog story if they if they win from a yeah. team sheet perspective. Ken Barlow was a World the, Cup winner. Uh, for example, and Victor Vito, and Victor Vito, oh, Victor was Vito a, yeah, World Cup was a World Cup played. Winner. Yeah, did, did he play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was nice, it was nice. when him and Don't Kaino went off together. They to, both went off after about Kiwi number eight. Hey, minutes. well, I'll, I'll give you another little um, little tidbit from this. Uh, Toulouse pack featured two guys in their late thirties winning it for the first time. It was awesome. Kaino and Takori. Oh, yeah. Joe Takori. Who did you see the souvenir? He <laughs> yeah, took, took, did he take uh, someone's arm? Did he take an opposition on a leg? He took a corner flag, ah. with with the pads and everything. Very which good. I believe in He's the highly legal. I hope he gets reported in, in the Challenge <laughs> Cup final. Um, Vincent Rattes attempted to take one. I don't know whether he was successful or not. I know that Joe Takori did get it back to France, uh, and apparently he was politely asked by some EPCR officials to hand it back, and he just said no. <laughs> <laughs> and what were you doing? Yeah, if you can get it, if you can take it off me. It's well, yours. the EP, um, what, EPCR um, have got a checkered past in uh, finals. I don't know if you know this. Do you remember when they? So the last time Toulouse won a Heineken Cup final, I'm pretty sure that uh, Guy Nuve uh, Guy Nuve got locked up by the police for a short time because they thought he was a fan. 
So he's busy celebrating. The official go, get, get him off, get him off. I want to see what Roman Intermac does. By the way, that does. wasn't e- EPRC yeah. that did that. Uh, I, w- I'm, I want to know what Roman Intermac does with the trophy. Because, I, and I know it's the tradition in France, when you, no. win, when you win the top 14 shield, oh. you have to treat it. Yeah. You have to treat it badly and have fun and games with it. So Roman Intermac had loads of people that didn't understand that saying how outrageous it was that he was doing bodyboarding <laughs> on yeah. at the beach. What would you like to do with the top 14 trophy? Have you got any ideas? The top 14 trophy? Um, Give me a table put, tennis put on Put some it. wheels on it and skate, skate you down a hill. Yeah. What, what frisbeeing it into a, um, <laughs> into a quarry and then having people shoot at it like clay pigeon? That's a, that's a nice shout. <laughs> I'm not sure I could frisbee it. It's massive. I couldn't frisbee it very far. I mean, the French are pretty lax with these sort of things. So I'm sure there's some... Some military guys somewhere, which will happily help out. Well, like a trebuchet. Yeah, exactly. Fire, fire it into a quarry. And had La Rochelle won it, then Brice Doolan could have taken it onto the set of another <laughs> erotic movie <laughs> yeah. that, that he stars in, <laughs> that we've mentioned on a previous episode. There's all sorts of things that we can do. And, um, if, you, and if you're wondering what's Tim talking about, it's previous episode, <laughs> and Brice Doolan really did feature in a... No, it wasn't an erotic film. That gives the wrong idea. It was a, a, it's reg- a film with eroticism in it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a regular film with a l- very erotic scenes that Brie Stulan was in. Mm. Good looking fella. Can I give a, a shout out to uh, Dumaru? Who, oh, yeah. So for two reasons. One that got um, spoken about quite a lot during the game, which was try the, saving the try-saving tackle on Cheslin Colby, which was awesome. Yeah, it was. And then only a few minutes later, and this, it didn't get brought up at all, um, Toulouse break down the right wing. Chesley Colby gets the ball inside La Rochelle's 22 on the wing. He steps inside uh, his opposite man. And Dumaru was the man coming across and absolutely nails him into touch. They didn't even show a replay of that tackle. It was an awesome tackle five yards from his own try line with Chesley Colby dancing around him. And he absolutely nailed two amazing tri tackles. Mm. The second one, just no one said anything. Yeah. Poor Jeffrey Dumaru. Oh, Dumaru, he is class. Quality Let's talk about, so was there, objectively, was there enough of a difference between the tackle that got a red card and the tackle that got, Great pen- question. Pen- that got penalty only? Uh, Great question. I'm, I'm surprised. So I think the second one, it wasn't head, but from what I've seen in the past, uh, the head-neck area does seem if to it, get judged as the same thing. If you get hit in the neck, you get hit in the head. I mean, so obviously you don't, the, but the, still. The force was different. Uh, as in, I would have been happy for the second one to be a yellow card. I think that would have been consistent application of the law. But yeah, I was very. I, I think the Bottier one was definitely a red card. That level of force, and he, he wears it. On I the was going to say, he, like Bottier was. Right, so yeah, I take what I take your point. If you just purely look at, and you're right, in the framework that the referees are operating under, force is one of the metrics they it, use yep. to make the decision. So fine, but like almost that's penalising Lavani Bottier. For just being monstrous, monstrous. Because uh, because I th- well no I, I'm yeah no I, I no agree. no I'm I'm I'm, with, I, I'm like that yeah. Lavani Botti is so powerful. It is. He yeah. is so that hit was spectacular. That hit was unbelievable. Yeah, but, and it's the kind of thing that if he just gets that timing a little bit better, or even just his body position a little bit better, he still does. He still puts that monstrous hit in, and he does it legally. The wonderful, it was inches away from being legal. The wonderful thing about that hit is. It opens up the fault line in rugby, which is the difference between people who think that is awesome and I want to be like Lavoni Bottier, and the people who I don't know what why they are watching rugby at the moment. That is disgusting, and no one will ever play the game ever again. Well, as Phil said, he was inches away from 
An amazing legal an hit. Amazing yeah. hit. So, yeah. the forcing is interesting. It only comes into play if the hit is illegal. Right? Because yeah, otherwise... Yeah, if it's a legal hit, go for, go for it as yeah. much force as you possibly can. So, I do think it's an illegal hit. I look at it and I think, yeah, it's it, definitely illegal. You've got to go. It's half the force, you've got to go. Just looking at a still photograph sometimes does not tell the story. However, when I look at those two tackles from opposing teams at different points in the game, in terms of contact, I don't see a difference. I so, don't. so I'm totally with you that I think it should have been a yellow card. I give him a red. I give them both been, red. If uh, think one's red, the other one's red because they both have force. Just because one guy's a little weaker than the, than the other, <laughs> he's still trying. Yeah, and also it, it wasn't just that it was Lavani Bottier making the hit for La Rochelle. It was that it was Rory Arnold taking the hit. Or to lose, I think, or someone—it was someone much bigger. No, like no, that. because uh, it can't be wrong. Because it, it was mid, mid. Oh no, sorry, who sorry. Took the hit. It yeah. was I can't. Um, no, uh, who, 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 who took the hit for? Was it? Um, it wasn't Uini Antonio. Was it wasn't it? Skelton, was it? No, yeah, I think it was Skelton actually. Was it? No, because there's a high one on Skelton. It never got reviewed. Yeah, and I was amazed Skelton. at that. No, you. It, right. was, it was a less forceful hit. But yeah, but oh, no, it was Aldrich. Was it? Uh, yes, it was Aldrich. Yeah. I, yeah, I think one's red, the other one's red. I can't tell the difference between the two, other than the, other than the fact that the Barney, the Varney Bottier is an f- absolute monster. Yeah, and I was disappointed that that was the outcome, given that they stopped the game. I actually thought Luke Pearce did a really good job. So I, I, I think he did a great job overall. Yeah, I think that um, Toulouse hit could have been a yellow card. Um, I, I could actually see how it could be a red card, although I wouldn't want it to be. Um, I think the, the bit that I was disappointed at was the end of the game from Luke Pierce, because I think so. I watched it just. I watched the last ten minutes again today. Um, there were four incidents in the last two minutes that could have been. Uh, there could have been one knock on. Uh, that's a little bit dubious, but there could have been actually three legitimate. La Rochelle penalties mm. in that last two minutes, which is what Ronan Agara was disappointed about. Yeah, and there, there were. It wasn't like there was one incident that was which missed because that happened. Because I can't, I can't actually remember them. So there, there was, uh, God, there, there was there, one where they looked, like a, they looked like a legit jackal from La Rochelle on on the ball. At right. Yeah, there was one uh, sealing off at a rook. Yeah, I, I, the, the yeah, I think play, I saw that one. The actually. last play of the game where. Um, Dupont passes to Intermac too early. Intermac's got 10 seconds to kill. He tries to like jog it around and gets snagged five metres from his own yeah. line. There, there is two um, Toulouse players go off their feet trying to roll La, La Rochelle players. And that is, there's Clint, uh, is it Marshall, the reserve hooker? He goes off his feet and the um, La Rochelle player is still on his feet jackling the ball and he is like on the floor trying to pull him over. But Luke Pierce's arm has already gone up for the penalty for for Toulouse. So that one, and there was another one on the on the right wing. There was there were three clear that that could definitely have been uh, La Rochelle penalties. Yeah, I definitely remember one of them, and I remember saying to the guy next to me like penalty, penalty. Yeah, but yeah. It, I didn't have the volume on, so I didn't know if that was a Cause if if, if that, that was one of them or not. If one of those becomes a penalty, then because La Rochelle missed the kick, it becomes an easy decision. They have to go for the corner. So they kick for the corner. They've got a line out five metres oh, from Toulouse's line. Well, they, on that last one, you could have done. Yeah. That last one really could. But the earlier two were about 40 yeah, yards again, out. Maybe you are better with the line out because you've not got Bottier on the field. So you're going to be outnumbered out wide. So what are you going to do? Maybe you go for the line out because you've got the drive then. Yeah. And you're not outnumbered. doesn't matter so much. But as we say, the game's played over 80 minutes. 
It and is. It's not won or lost on the final decision. La Rochelle had the chances to win, and I think they'll be absolutely gutted. And yeah, the world is a little bit better, isn't it, when Toulouse are on top of the table again? It does. It's felt like for the last few years, because this Toulouse team, this is not out of the blue. They've been building with this kind of team for the they're, last They're still years. the current top 14 holders, mm. because last season's tournament was abandoned. They got to the semi- yeah. semi-finals of Europe last season. Um. So, yeah, this has been building, and it, it, does, and it, it does feel good. And I'll reference something Alice, Alex, Alice? Alex Anderson said, because obviously he's a man that knows his way around a European trophy, which is you have to build into it. And if you think about mm. what Toulouse have been doing, they made the semis mm. last year, although it feels like it was only six months ago, because it was only six, six, six months ago that they were in the semis. It was. Um, <laughs> Remarkably recently. Yeah. Uh, but you can see, you can see, that, yeah. see that progression. As for La Rochelle, yeah, they'll obviously be disappointed. Who wouldn't be disappointed? But they've got nothing to worry about. If you're making European finals, don't worry about it. Yeah, the yep. next few years will be... Unless they do a Claremont where they're always the bridesmaid. Yep. Which, which is which entirely is, possible. It is possible, but it's a hell of a team, that La Rochelle side. Mm. Uh, great. Um, if you're in the, if, if you're on the YouTube feed right now, um, j- just hit that like button, would you? Mm. Apparently that helps. Really helps, apparently, yeah. Apparently I've not just, seen any it difference. It just means other, other people that might like rugby, it might just go, oh, check this out. So, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great if you would. Much appreciated. And keep your thoughts coming. Hi to Sam, uh, who's uh, first time... On the on the live pods and any questions loving on it, lads. Yeah, yeah. any questions or thoughts, chuck them in there and, and we can get to that. I'll tell you what I will do. I'll just mention before we go on to the Challenge Cup final, we we had a bit of midweek rugby since the last podcast. Oh, yes, we did. How good was how much would you like to see more midweek rugby? So I phoned Premiership Rugby about this because I'm a pain in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why can't we have more Premiership Rugby? Player welfare issue. But of course it's not really a player welfare issue, is it? Uh it's a it's a negotiating point issue. If, yes. we, if there's enough money involved mm. or there's enough incentive, we will have mid midweek rugby. And, and that is definitely true because and you see it more in football, but um, t- TV money, TV dictates game times. Yeah. Dictates what games are shown when. And if there's enough people watching, there will be midweek, more midweek. If we can have play. midweek European Cup games, why can't we have midweek um, pr- premiership games? That's, There's occasionally a Thursday night. Thursday one. night, isn't it? Yeah, for the, yeah, for the, the Challenge, Challenge Cup. Cup. Well, I'll tell you what, just not not wanting to open up this can of worms, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just chuck it out there. In France, they get midweek games every, not, every week. I was hoping you'd bring this up. No, no, no I don't want to talk about that. I've been doing a bit of research. I, let, <laughs> okay. No, I, absolutely, no, no, sorry. It's not to say I don't want to talk about that. I absolutely do want to talk about that. But let's, when? When? Let's. let's <laughs> what, do you know what I thought about this? So J, what JB's referring to is the the English model, the French model. Is there some stuff? That I, I'm wondering. Is there another way besides going to a ring fence league where we can actually grow the game in the way that everyone wants to mitigate the financial worries that the Premiership clubs have? Yada yada yada. So uh, I've been looking at what they do in France and if there's anything there. Um, Which there is, by the way, there is absolutely a yeah. lot of lessons to be learned from yeah, France. Yeah, and, and I think we'll probably. We might start from different opinions, but I think that we'd agree on a lot of things, which is why I think in the in the build up to June the eleventh, which is the RFU Council's vote on the suggested three year moratorium on promotion and relegation, mm. let's let's get that. Let's do a special. Let's, spe- get, let's, let's get a film. Special, let's let's get to Phil to, mod- to, yeah, to moderate. You, you can moderate. You can be <laughs> ask questions. You can be David Dimbleby and um, perfect, and uh, you can moderate us, and we can put our cases out there because. What, one of the big things about this is this vote's happening and there's I don't think there is going to be discussion about it 
ahead of time, except for through people like us, which is ridiculous. I'm so let's, not let's take convinced. it upon ourselves to do it. I'm not convinced that people voting on this have really spent the time looking into it. <laughs> well, I, no. I mean that. No, well, it's such a complex situation that um, I, I don't think. I think when they vote, I don't think they're going to be thinking of um, you know. How it is that they solve the issue of relegation? How it is they make the league better? The you know, all of these different things no, that they need to the do. Consequences of, the, con- uh, the consequences of the consequences and the unintended for an extended period of time. Yeah. yeah, but what I do think is the case is that these are these RFU councillors. There's 65 of them representing each of the counties in England. They should know that they are there voting to represent their constituent members of the clubs that are in their county. That's why that role exists. And so if you are a member of a rugby club, your RFU councillor represents you. So make them work for you as a fan and for your club. So I, and I, one of the things which really bothers me about this, and again, let's, let's do this in a special podcast, but the, the general point is that whatever you think about um, what should happen, promotion, relegation, etc., different models, all the rest of it, I, th- I think the general point is that the majority of fans, I believe, don't want it. And the RFU councillors are going to vote not with them in mind. And they are there to represent us. They're a union. All that's, uh, yeah. And this is what concerns me, which is don't lobby your RFU councillor until you have listened to our podcast where we outline <laughs> both, the, both of the positions. Okay. Because you need to understand exactly what it is that ring fencing will achieve. I, I'm not for ring fencing. I'm not against ring fencing. It's very, very important that you understand what it is that they're trying to achieve before you say to your councillor, do this or that. Yeah, but fundamentally, yes, okay, that's fair. But fundamentally, an RFU councillor is there to represent the constituent clubs in the county. The members make up the club. So effectively, they're there to represent us. They're not there to represent 30 very wealthy individuals who own premiership clubs and their interests. No, but you know what? If I my, the councillor say in the northwest, I would probably say to them at the moment, you should work with Sale Sharks because it is in our interest to make sure sales sharks are as strong as possible particularly sales sharks actually i'd say it's in the rfu councillor's interest to make sure that every one of the hundreds and hundreds of grassroots clubs in lancashire are achieving the the goal of growing the game long term um yeah that but is, that's I, I why think, an rfu councillor exists yeah, yeah but I, I think the Not for sales sharks priorities well no because they're Intertwined, right? So if you're in the northwest, it's very important that sales shocks do a remarkable job. Oh, I know. I'm, of, I'm not doubting. But if that. you are the councillor for Norfolk, I think you probably vote against it. Does that make sense? Because I don't. Because you've got no pro club. You know, you do have a DPP and whatnot, but I'll probably be le- le- linked to Leicester Tigers or, or someone. It is in your best interest that there is an op- a way for your local community to have a club at the highest level. The priorities of the councillors in Norfolk and Leeds and Cumbria may well be very different to those in Leicester, Northwest, Richmond, so on and so fair, forth. Fair. That's what I would say. Fair. So, for the special podcast. Let's mm. do a special podcast on that. <clears throat> so, the midweek games. Yeah, Sam, awesome, Sam Simmons broke that <clears throat> uh, Premiership try-scoring record. It feels like an age Smashed through the Premiership try-scoring Three record. games to go and he's on 19. Yeah. Ridiculous. The, the previous uh, t- one was held by Dominic Chapman and Christian Wade. Uh, do you know any of the others that are on the list? List of what? Sorry, list of top, top Premiership try scorers of all time uh, in a single season. A single season, you mean? In a single yeah, season. Yeah, Neil Back. Well, Thomas there, Waldron, isn't, isn't he? Thomas Waldron, Neil Back, Tom Vondel, probably. 
Yeah, Quato must be on there. Mandel's a good shout. Chris Ashton is on, on one of them, I think. Yeah. Early days with Northampton. I had the page and now I've lost the page. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, it was Dominic Chapman from Richmond all those years ago. Oh, I've lost the page. Never mind. But lots and lots, lots of big names but, and lots of tries scored. Yeah. Neil Back got one of them. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, the two two big things for me from, from the midweek games, obviously... Um, Exeter had a fairly routine win over London Irish um, with Sam Simmons breaking the record. Bristol had a routine win against a 14-man Gloucester. Uh, perform- Bristol performing very well. And Northampton messed it up. Oh. They're shot to get... They, they stay. The last two weeks where they have they could have put some pressure on well, Harlequins. Fair play Newcastle, though. Yeah. You, two wins for them. You're absolutely right. Well, you know, having but... a big ball carrier helps. <laughs> <laughs> the silverback is back. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, um, very disappointing for Northampton. Who over the last few years they've done uh, since Chris Boyd took in, they've done some amazing things, but they've also had some like inexplicable, like, awful not just performances, but like inexplicably awful extended periods of time. And this these two games that they've lost uh, now to to themselves eliminate their opportunity for getting top four is just disappointing. I also think actually what's happened is they've ended up where they really are because... Reverting to the mean. Well, well, because two of their victories were COVID victories. Ah. Yeah. So had they they achieved a playoff spot over, say, Quinns, and they had two COVID victories under their belt, I think it might have been a false position for them. (laughs) In, In the same way as Worcester... Look like they've got three wins on paper. They uh-huh. haven't. They've only got one. Yeah. So multiple things about this, right? Number one, when this season is over, which it effectively is now, but you know when it's properly over, I think we'll look back and say, God, that wasn't very competitive. Like the top four are so much f- further ahead than the chasing pack. It's very disappointing, actually. Yep. So that's the first. That, and that I just wasn't true. expecting that. Yeah. No, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so that's really quite, 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 quite upsetting. The other thing is. When I think about Northampton, at the start of the season, they're on one of the worst losing streaks in the club's career. So the reverse, the revision back to mean is definitely something which I think is correct. Are they that good? I think in parts are that good, but I think they're easily found out as well. They've got a bit of a soft, a soft underbelly. They, they've got some amazing, talented players, and when it clicks, they look amazing. Like some of the tries that they can score with that back line, uh, and weaving some of their forwards into that back line as well because some of the skills um, that they've got across the team are amazing but you're right on the soft underbelly like when, not... and it's when the when the going gets tough they they can get found wanting but it's it's not the last two games have been that they've lost have been Gloucester at home and Newcastle away which are very winnable games for that Northampton team I, if I'm a Saints fan I'm obviously disappointed I didn't make the top top four and I'm just thinking about how would you honestly review the season well, would they would they expect top four at the start of the season? No. Maybe. I, Maybe I would. Not. I would say no. You would not because of the, the yeah. one that they were on last season. You wouldn't expect to lose it to Quinns either. That's the other thing. <laughs> True. Um, and you look at their squad across the board. No one's played badly. No, you can't say, "Oh, we're weak at this position, weak at that position." You there's, just say, there's, "Like, there's a f- there's a few." Go on. There's a few big names. Well, I don't. I don't like chucking players under the bus. It's but. not so much chucking them under the bus. I think the whole squad is playing at say a B plus level. They all need to play like five percent better. 
which is a rubbish way to. It's not like they've got an immense strength. Yeah, yeah. And they well, need to. You can't, you can't bring because last season their scrum was really weak. They've improved that. Perhaps mm. it, well, it can still be improved. Yeah. Um, now, and they've lost um, an All Black tighthead who's going back to. I wasn't scrummaging that well anyway. But no, and he's been injured for most of the season, and yeah. now he's so, going. Uh, well, yeah. So a couple. Um, so it's actually, I think James Grayson's ace. But one thing to notice is when Dan Big wasn't there, they could never make their mind up who was their 10. Sometimes it was Dan Grayson, then it was George Furbank coming in at 10. G- yeah, G- James, James Grayson. James Grayson. James Grayson, sorry. Yeah. Uh, then it was F- F- yeah, Furbank, then it was at, Furbank 10. at 10. Then There's another one, I think Malinder played 10 at one point. Malinder, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you know yourself. I've, I've, I've had some thoughts about Stuart Hooper. Um, Do you? Yeah, I did. But I did really? I did an hour and 20 purely on Stuart Hooper on the Bath Rugby <laughs> plug. So you can listen to that <laughs> instead. I can so, imagine um, Bath fans who are frustrated would love that. It was a very like good podcast. For them. A great, a great podcast. But still, uh, one of the things about Bath, which I think is the same with Northampton, is a very hard to understand where you improve a team. Because if you're good consistently throughout the team, not brilliant, just good. Just solid. Yeah, what is the thing that you need to improve on first? Yeah, if there's no fundamental weakness. Yeah, which I don't think there is. I mean, what we say, oh, they need to they need to be a bit harder. Well, okay, I don't know how you do that. Mm, well, I don't know. I think I think Bath it's personnel. Uh, sorry, sorry, Bath it's coaching. And Gervin Dempsey, their attack coach, has left. Which has been rumored for a long time, actually. Yeah. So that may, maybe that'll have an impact. Some things, sometimes things just don't just don't work out. And I think Northampton. I don't think it's coaching because Vesti's great. I don't think it's coaching either. Boyd's really great. So I think it might be personnel. And we talked about their scrum being so bad. And when they're on that bad run, they had no scrum. They sorted the scrum out. They started winning games and being competitive. But they just haven't quite won enough, which is fair. If they finish fifth, I think that's about where they're at. And that's not a bad season. And there could be an element as well of, if you have a Southern Hemisphere coach, a very successful one, he knows what he wants. But does him knowing what he wants necessarily chime with what he needs? And there might be a learning curve there, which is, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, you need to coach more defence. You need to be a little bit more pragmatic. And can he blend what he does so well, which is bloody brilliant, actually, mm. with what is required and what is done at, say, Leicester Tigers or you know, wherever well, else. You say that Quinn's defence is not good and they're yeah. still top four. Yeah, but when you've got Marcus Smith, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he you is. Just a, do whatever you want. There's a slight difference, mate. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, One thing I have noticed is a slight narrative that's been creeping in over the last weeks about... See, no relegation, and people say it's boring. How good are these uh, games? What one thing I would say is that 
you could see the intensity in some of those lower table games just ratchet right up as soon as they changed the Champions Cup to the top eight. To eight spaces. Mm, which yeah. I totally disagree with, by the way. I, I think that well, is a farce. That the, the top tier, which is meant to be the best of the best, is now three quarters of every domestic league. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. I've got two thoughts on two thoughts on this. Number one, um, there is a vast difference between entertaining and meaningful. Right? It's not meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah. Second, second half of the Champions Cup yeah. final, where actually one scrum suddenly... You're like, oh my god, this really matters. Yeah, because yeah. there's a Champions Cup on the line. Yeah, yeah. So, meaningful rugby is what we want. I'd, just because people are throwing it out the back door and trying really hard doesn't mean it's meaningful. Sorry, forty-eight fifty-four. See, it's an amazing product. Everyone uh, clap like seals. No, it's, no, no, no. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's not bad to watch. It isn't bad to watch. I'm and, not saying and that balance between defence and attack is yeah. so crucial. And like super, yeah. super rugby, when it was high scoring stuff, people used to try and say. Oh, Super Rugby is just on a different level. When you watch it, sometimes it's like, no, this is not good. So they, they've not had to work hard enough for that. The other thought is, when you get relegated, okay, there is, it's obvious, isn't it, that your coach is going to go. He deserves to go. Not always, because some coaches have survived relegation, come back like Dean Richards and sure some others somewhere. But Dean Richards would be the one I'm thinking of. Did Dean Ryan survive relegation and come back? He might have too. But generally speaking, if you're a player. And you think the gaffer might go because he's rubbish and you get relegated. And relegation is such a big deal that it's almost warranted that you should have to resign. Then maybe you don't play your hardest because, well, the gaffer's going to go. I'll just impress, impress the next guy and my contract runs for three years. But when you know that the, the, the coach is going to be there next year regardless because it's ring fence, well, he has the final say on your career. So you best play hard. Uh, so there is a, di- a, different, a different incentive there. That said, in terms of... Uh, loads and loads of tries. The <laughs> the Bristol Gloucester game was so much fun. <laughs> it was, was so it? much fun. But they, but Bristol had to work hard for all of those scores. They just butchered loads of them. But uh, yeah, uh, Killian Hickey has just mentioned Bristol with eight disallowed tries. Yeah, that that was minimum. <laughs> absolutely insane. Right. Did it take them until like the seventy six minute to get the the bonus, bonus point. point? Yeah, and, and uh, Martin saying is Callum Sheedy becoming Wales's Finn Russell? Some of his passes out of the back and no look passes. Yeah. He's got skills, hasn't he? Yeah, but yeah. let's just talk about Finn Russell for a second. The cargo trousers he wore oh. at the Monaco Grand Prix. I've not Prix. seen these. Have you not? No. <laughs> they, look like, they look like Top Man trousers circa 1997. So, yeah, so 1997 to maybe 2002, that, yeah, that kind that, of vintage. window. I was interviewing a rather famous individual who played for Toulon once. who claimed that he went out with Prince Albert or one of the, one of the Monaco princes in, nice. in, in Monaco. In shorts, and to get into a nightclub, he needed trousers. So the prince instructed one of the bouncers to give this famous player his trousers, and he did. <laughs> so, oh, he wow. gets, so he gets the club. <laughs> the princess, what's her name? Um, no idea. Princess Charlotte or something like. Oh, she, it is no, she came to the World Rugby Awards when we were there. That's right, she did. Mm. It's amazing. I don't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I was more interested in where's where's uh, Johnny Sexton. I want to interview him. It's quite yeah. a Khaleesi. Yeah, yeah, I spoke to Khaleesi, Khaleesi and CJ Stander. Yeah. yeah. And Ryan Crossy. And, Jamie, and, Do- and Doddy and J- Weir. And Jamie Roberts. Oh, hang on. Was Ryan Crossy the year, the year before? I didn't. I don't remember Ryan Crossy. I, I spoke oh, to Ryan, Ryan Crossy. I spoke to Ryan Crossy in the nightclub. So, in the, the club afterwards. Yeah. Do, do, you know, have you, do you know what I see, my secret trick is to talk to people? Uh, I always say that Phil wants to meet them. <laughs> so if you're the famous person, you're not. I'm not me, it's not me being a fanboy, right? So sorry to have to do this yeah. to you, my my friend here. Oh my god, Tim, Tim, uh, is it Tim? Right, um, 
this, I know it sounds odd, but my friend Phil is a massive fan. Do you mind coming over and, <laughs> coming over and saying hello? <laughs> and to be fair, I, I, am, a massive, no, can he? I am a massive Ryan Crotty fan. Yeah. I'm not a Ryan Crotty fan. Who is this guy? He's not saying no, is he? I remember JB interrupting. So Faf de Klerk and Aaron Smith were having a moment. Two of the world's best scrum halves. Yeah. They were both blind. They'd both had an awesome night in the club. They'd come out to get a bit of fresh air and to have a little bit of a chat. And they were they were having a, they were just stood having a chat and JB said but <laughs> thought JB looked at Aaron Smith and Fafter Clerk and said they're missing one person got in between them come here lads let's have a picture <laughs> and then we cropped Aaron Smith out <laughs> uh, good good times in Monaco absolutely yeah it was awesome but midweek rugby let's have it but uh, hey uh, GPU uh, thank you for your message in the live chat said. Midweek championship rugby, that could be a way to get midweek games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if someone, yeah, wants yeah. To, someone wants to pay for it, yep. get it. Absolutely. Get it up there. That'd be great. It's a great shout. Uh, right. Um, Challenge Cup final then. Leicester lost narrowly to Montpellier. So we have an all French champions in Europe this season. And I'm so disappointed in Leicester mm. because they, they had it all. So that first, well, not that first 10 minutes was demonstration of how they needed to play this game and how they were going to win this game which mm. was Montpellier get ball in, in Leicester's half Leicester turn it over Leicester then win a penalty Leicester then use their monstrous driving mall Montpellier splinter Leicester gets another penalty kick for the corner I think they got a third penalty and um, take the three points and you just watch that and think how are Leicester going to lose this yeah. how could they, they're, they're winning penalties left right and centre they were turning over the ball their driving mall was unstoppable by that Montpellier team unless they did it illegally and they repeatedly did it illegally which bumped up the Leicester penalties even more so how are Leicester possibly going to lose this? Well they're going to lose it by and, oh let's, let's not do any more driving balls <laughs> lads let's not bother with that it's, it's too good the, the detail I mean obviously Borthwick is a detail man but the stuff which goes on with Leicester's driving ball I mean on paper it shouldn't really stand up to Montpellier because Montpellier are much bigger man for man. It should be at least comparable. Because, I mean, Leicester's, it's an international front row. Mm, I mean, it, an ex-international front row, right? Uh, well, Genge is current international. And then Dan Cole. Dan Cole and, 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 yeah, 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 it is, it is. Yeah. Let's, not, let, let's they, not downplay their achievements. Yeah. Yes, it is. And, an and they've, not, they've not lost any weight, those two, since they since they were playing internationally. Mm. Um, and it's a, an enormous South African back row. They are quite big. They're abrasive rather than big. They're not enormous, are they? Uh, they're big. They're, well, they're, one of the, one of the, one uh, of the yeah, switches. Visa's not tall. He's about the same height as me, but he's deep. Like yeah. CJ Standard st- yeah. style. Actually, one of the switches. So there was two injuries in the game that that did switch the balance of power a bit more in Montpellier's um, favour in terms of the driving mall, and that was Brink going off injured. Mm. Which when Tommy Raffel, who was great on the floor, great around the park, but not as big and strong, and Udwarugwo. Oh um, yeah, um, is he still playing? Lithe flan- flanker, yeah, for Montpellier. He went off, and it was Jacques Duplessis. The second row came on in his place and played back row, and that had at least a ten k ten kg loss for Leicester, and at least probably more ten kg yeah. gain for Montpellier. And that happened towards the end of the first half. Both of those. Happened and that swung the balance more in Montpellier's favour. Yeah. Just it's this way you've got to remember this team shouldn't even be in be in the competition. They should be in the championship. They should be in the championship. Right. Yeah. So you've got to 
Yeah. Yeah, you've got to bear that in mind. Leicester Tigers do not deserve to be in the European Cup final. But they... Sorry, Challenge Cup final. But but they are there. The progress they've made is remarkable. Uh, I've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. These guys have got nothing to worry about. Their foundations are absolutely rock solid. They'll yeah, be fine. And, and the bit that they do need, because wh- where it came down, where they lost this game was, there was two moments of absolute magic from Montpellier that scored two tries. They did nothing for the rest of the game. Yeah. Am I right? No points got sp- scored in the last 20 minutes. No, it was a one-point game for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there's so many and, opportunities there. And they, well... Leicester, well, sorry, Leicester kicked, time for opportunities. So much, Leicester kicked so much ball away, particularly in that last 10 minutes. And yeah, and we badly. knew they were set up to play the game in that fashion when they picked Wigglesworth over Youngs. But like you say, the last 20 minutes when they'd had such a dominant maul, I don't know, I would have tried to... And they'd been so successful at extracting penalties when having yeah. possession, like you said, I would have gone down that route. But yeah. But the, the difference I, was those two moments of magic from... Rattes. Um, Rattes, and it was Usun, but mm. it was um, fullback Boutier as well in that move. Um, for Montpellier, the two, and they were moments of magic. They did nothing else for the whole of the rest of the game. And Leicester, even though they could get the, the territory, the field position, and the penalties, they just didn't have that magic because it was going to come through, in the past, it comes through Nadolo or Ford. And Nadolo was shut out by his former teammates because they understand him. And Ford was shut out of the game because they they knew he's the threat. Mm. So you take those two bits, and, the, and why Leicester should be really positive is you add in a couple more offensive players, offensive threats, which I believe they will do in the the next 12 months, that team will be much, much more dangerous because they've got the foundations in place. Yeah. yeah. Just, is anyone surprised that um, Philip Sanson-Dre still gets these jobs? <laughs> The, tur- the turnaround he's overseen is pretty massive. They He came in at, what, just Christmas? Yep. And they were languishing in the top 14. They've still got a job on uh, to survive. I, but genuinely, oh, no, they, they will survive. They will survive, yeah. Gen. But, they but, will. Yeah, they, it's a poor season from the top poor 14. Season. Yeah, but genuinely, look at, the, look at the players they have. Look at the amount of money that they spend. How bad would you do if you just pick, pick, pick the team <laughs> and let them go out there? Well, how bad was the previous coach? Yeah. Yeah, who was the previous coach? I don't know. What was going on there? <laughs> now, San Andre is an interesting character because he seems to have one trick and one, and one trick only, which is massive, be, massive be players. Massive. Which, in fairness, work. They, yeah, they already had that. But, yeah. but he's come in and with no time to prepare or get in players, he's actually just managed to turn a team that were losing into a team that have been winning. I guess. And, and fair play, you can't argue with that. Uh, Adrian Sinclair um, got in touch. He emailed us, um, contacteggchasers at gmail.com. Just highlighting uh, Austin Healy's change of mind on Steve Borthwick. So November, mm. no, uh, so this weekend on Friday morning, I read an article in the Telegraph, and Austin Healy quite rightly said Steve Borthwick doing an incredible job at Leicester. The, t- the old Tigers DNA is reappearing. Um, uh, November last year, and I'm not saying this to shame because actually I think this is to Austin Healy's credit that he comes out with punchy opinions, mm. but he's more than willing to go. Do you know what? I got that wrong. Actually, I've, uh, here's what I think. Um, he said Ti- He said in November last year, Tigers have made a mistake in appointing Steve Borthwick as head coach. He has never coached properly before at this level. He's very binary. Um, blah, 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 blah. He's a robot, I think, etc., uh, etc. Et yeah. Basically, 
for a club like Leicester, I think it is a mistake. So Steve Borthwick has... I agree with everything Austin he said then, and I agree with it now. Uh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. what, what I, I wasn't saying this to say Austin Healy didn't know what he was talking about in November. I'd say that's where a lot of people were. Yeah. We were listen to our podcast. We were scathing of Leicester at the back end of last season yeah. when they were just sending kids out to get slaughtered. Mm. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and we're all very very complimentary now. Yeah, I, I don't think being a robot or being binary is necessarily. A bad thing, as long as you're, a, a, you know, a pretty good robot, as long as your assistant, you know, he understands what he wants. Well, one of the things Austin Healy was saying back in November is I think he's been in an England setup where for a short period of time you can be full on 100% intensity and demand massive improvement over short periods of time. When you go over a club and you've got to be there week after week after week, he said, I don't think that's going to work. But it's working. I'm not sure that is what Steve Borthwick's doing, though. Do you think that's what that's what he's doing? Well, no, but that that may be not what he's doing. That, but yeah, were he to that's, have done yeah, that, that it would not risk. have worked. Yes, exactly. That's the risk of that's certainly what Austin Healy was expecting when Borthwick first came in. That he would map his style at international level onto club level. Uh, as yeah, in, he's, he's probably shown his flexibility. Or yeah. well, the thing is with Steve Borthwick is yes, he has had a lot of experience under Eddie Jones. You'd say the majority of his CV as a coach is built on his experience under Eddie Jones, particularly his Japan experience. And, you know, latterly, of course, his England mm-hmm. experience. But he's also been under some different style of, style of coaches in Saracens. So he has a whole range of things, th- things to offer. What I really like about him, and I have literally just said this, but he is super clear on what you want. And to me, that, I mean, I'll give you an example of someone who's not super clear is Stuart Hooper. Right, and, and it's not just to knock Stuart <laughs> Hooper. He's just not very clear about what he wants. Whereas I know exactly what Steve Borthwick wants, and I think everyone can appreciate that. Mm. Now, even if he, even well, if you don't want uh, to and do you that, can say he's not clear. You're not clear on what he wants based on what he said to you. We don't know what he's. We don't know what he says in his team meetings at Bath. No, we don't. No, but but, um, but all, all the other thing I would say is Steve Borthwick has always been an incredibly analytical. He's a rugby nose. Yeah, more, more than yeah. any of us, particularly with lineouts. So when my brother was coming into the Bath squad, Borthwick and Grucock were the locks, and Nick, <laughs> Nick used to sit with Borthwick for hours yeah. just doing lineout well, prep. More latterly, of course, um, your brother had experience with him when he was coaching at Saracens, not coaching at Saracens because I don't know. I'm, yeah, I, if you don't know, the England coaches used to use Saracens as a, like a test bed for things that they want to run, and they need to run against an opposition, so they. He's London Scottish, so he's had a front seat for him not only growing up, but like as a coach as well. Yeah, yeah, and he's unbelievably analytical. Mm. But, yeah. but it's one thing to to know what you're talking about; another thing to make sure your players understand can I, and execute. Can that. I give you a quote which I heard off a coach this this week? Um, I won't tell you which coach; it's just a, a general chat. But I'm really interested in it, and I'm going to read the book which you recommended too. Um, but this quote sort of haunts me because I'm not sure if it's true. But at the start of the conversation, it was process is the opposite of skill. Process is the opposite of skill, and that is the mindset. Mm. What 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 do you think of that? I, 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 I don't I, think I, the two are necessarily related. So the process would be... Or not or, diametrically opposed. Yeah, anyway. they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have, um, you can have skilled processes. 
Yeah, so uh, you know, structured rugby is basically when you substitute something. You know, it's a substitute for skilled, skilled rugby, and I do agree. Oh, okay, I, okay. So from that yeah. point of view, I understand. So that would be play. So it's playing what you see versus playing what you practice. Yes, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That I can get more on board with. I think that quote in its own, on its own, it needs some more. There's there's not enough. That was the opening quote, and I don't want to say too much about it because I haven't read the book, and I'm currently looking at things in coaching, not that I'll use, but things I do not understand, and see if I can understand them a little bit more. And this is one of them. This is sort of like the not new age thinking of coaching, but the sort of what's the word for it. Like the helicopter thinking style 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 of uh, style of coach, okay. For want of a, for want of a better word, and one of the things I thought of is like, is there not a skill in putting in putting together a process? Like a really good process is actually and, quite skillful. And there's lots of processes that have skills at every stage of the process. Yeah, like and, if, if you watch non rugby related, but if you watch some professional jugglers, a team of jugglers who are juggling <laughs> chainsaws between yeah. each other, now that is a process. There is no shortage of skill in that yeah. in that yeah. each but, stage of that oh, process. That is the, so this is the, that's exactly the second part, which is what about the skill in being able to keep to the process? Exactly, I think exactly. that's a skill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in in rugby terms, say lower levels, I, I reckon whoever if you played in a rugby team, whatever level that is, if you're listening, elite down to bottom level, there's probably a good chance you had off of a line out, you'll have had two or three phases that the whole team knew what they were going to do and then it's, it's free, <laughs> free play play, yeah, what, play, yeah. what, play what you see <laughs> I had a funny experience this weekend so I, I played a, a game, this, game this weekend for Ultram Curzel too so massive thank you to Ultram Curzel for allowing mm. me to play why aren't Talk H playing? Let's not talk about it let's not, let's not talk <laughs> about no, it I want to talk about it no go on make your point um, <laughs> we had three backs moves and they all did the same thing well, was, it, was, it, was it was it you uh, in 12 I was start, it ni- I started was at 15. It knife, fork, started spoon. Started at 15. Dummy, yeah. dummy, dummy says a pop. We had lead shadow, <laughs> which wasn't... We didn't even it as a lead shadow. I don't even know what the hell we were running. Uh, and we had... Um, was that is that like a league move where one player runs... That's what it should de- be, yeah. Decoy, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that isn't what happened. Um, <laughs> we had um, something else which was like, uh, basically, both the centres hit, like, hit the same gap. I can't remember what we called it. And we had another move which was... In, I mean, the chances of us having to use this move, it was basically off a set piece to a centre. You know, it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and I'm thinking these moves make no sense. But basic moves would be like, you know... 12, DSP? Li- line out. <laughs> yeah. no, but you, Hit me up the middle? I've, Switch one. I've played, in <laughs> teams, I've played in teams at high levels where you know off this line out, it's off the top, 12's going to crash it up, four, f- one pod of forwards goes the same way. The others hang out, and we flash yeah. it, flash it back left. Well, Stuff like that. So that's a pro. That's a process. Yeah. But then after that, go for it. Yeah. Well, it was an awesome game because there's a lot of lads there who I've played against, but were not part of Ultram Curzel because they needed to get a second team together to play MMU twos. So there's, there's quite a few good lads that I've mm. met or played against, uh, played against in the past. So it was quite nice to be on the same on the same team as them. But anyway, we found out at the end that the reason these moves made no sense. It's because the fly half was the captain of the second team, who was usually at back row, second row. But because he had the opportunity to pick himself as at ten, <laughs> like yeah, ten. Uh, so and then to be fair, he's got a tight prop at fifteen. Me, who then but moved you're to a centre. Live tight head prop these right. days. Yeah. I need to get uh, into this. What, what? A, a back row at thirteen. Nice. Um, in fact, maybe two back rows at twelve and, it's and the future. thirteen. Sam Simmons against South Africa. Uh, uh, Lavani Bottier. Uh, uh, Lavani Bottier and uh, Sam Simmons. A third back row on the wing. 
<laughs> and we might have had an actual winger on the other wing. I'm not, I'm not sure nice. what position Brad played. <laughs> so you got one back no, in the back line. It sounds just, like it. Like, not wanting to go too far down the rabbit hole, let's keep it broad if we can. But what's going on at Tock H? Because my son, Louis, on Saturday, Broughton Park have um, had uh, were asked to, to form a joint team with Didsbury because they didn't have the numbers. Mm. So they, they played under 13s for, for Didsbury. So my, so my lad, yeah. Louis, wore the, wore the blue and yellow of Didsbury at the weekend. Wonderful. Sco- did, scored a great try. Did it suit him? It looked good, actually. What, what, what position do you think he's going to play? Um, I mean, we said we weren't doing we too specific, but we'll talk about one under 13 player. At the, <laughs> at the minute, weirdly, I've, I, which I wouldn't, have thought, I wouldn't have predicted, at the minute, I think he's got the making of a, of a winger. Ooh, he's really? Quick. He's quick. That's it. I, I was not expecting you to and say his, that. And his defence is awesome. So well, he won't be needing that. Channel, then. 13 potentially, yeah. Ooh, nice. Anyway, mm. anyway, but what's going on? Because, okay. like, no. Okay, and to keep this broad... I know uh, this is a broad point. Are there some clubs not playing rugby right now? Yes, that is right. So, post lockdown, the RFU or the local unions put certain clubs into certain almost like friendly leagues. So you have round robins against different teams. So some clubs did that. Other clubs just arranged friendlies, but not all of them. And some of the feedback I'm getting from DORs around the league just blows my mind. So two of them told me. Um, yeah, and one of them admits maybe I made the wrong decision here. Um, but they just said, yeah, it's a, it's a road to injury. I, of course it's a road to injury. What, did you, what, do you, what do you think happens when you're on a rugby field? This is, this is the game that we signed up to. Um, player welfare is very important in the pro level. If you get hit in the head or you're overworked because it's your bloody job and you can't get over, o- overworked, well, then, yeah, of course, player welfare get, gets in the way of things. Player welfare should not be an excuse not to go and play limited rules rugby under any circumstance whatsoever. And, you know, they're not backing this up with any evidence. They're backing it up with things like, oh, I've heard some horror stories of, where, where of injury. Where have been for the last year, by the way? Yeah, <laughs> horror stories about injuries. Of course you've heard, I mean, of, of course, of course. <laughs> you know, rugby clubs' primary roles are to go out there and facilitate the game of rugby. And to think, I mean, maybe there's a couple of things I think going on here. Number one, the the everlasting chat about player welfare in the pro game, which is completely justified, mm-hmm. filters down to the lower levels where it is not justified at all, you know, outside of HIAs and that sort you know, mm-hmm. uh, recognise and remove, that, that, that is important. But you're there to play rugby because if you take this point of view that we will only play rugby when I feel the player's ready, well, what metrics are you using? If you want to go down this route, it's a very dangerous route to go down because if too many people agree with you, then you have to show some evidence as to, well, we'll only play once a player has been to eight training sessions and has shown that he can tackle competently most four teams and third teams, and actually a lot of second teams, run purely on the fact that people do not train and they show up on a Saturday with because odd want, boots. Yeah, they want a game of well, rugby. Yeah, they want and, a game of rugby. And, and if you play, the laws of the game are there to control the aggression that, mm-hmm. that is inherent in rugby. And also, in this case, it'd be one thing if we're talking about people under a certain age. Yeah, yeah. But this is. Adults, but even under a certain age, what are the, what are the records are keeping? Say, yeah, we're now competent to play because if this is the mindset that they're not competent to play and they played and they got an injury, presumably the mindset's also, oh well, we're liable for something or we shouldn't have played that game, and it's the wrong way to think about things. I don't know why they're doing it. Well, I, I mean, this might seem like a, a heavy-handed thing to say, but if you're at a rugby club now that is proactively able to play, but pro, well, is able to play but proactively not playing. I don't think that rugby club deserves your custom. 
Tailgate just turned into a bloody social club. Like, it's turned into a social club, which, which is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's no. not, well, it's like the way I. So sorry, sorry. So it's only the people that you would have played that are not playing, or have Talk H said we can't play. No, no. Talk H have looked for games. Right. Okay. Fine. I, mean, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say we've. You know, it's, I, You've we've, not exhausted. You haven't all left every, you haven't left every stone <laughs> yeah. unturned. Uh, yeah, I would say it's uh, you know, loosely looking for games. And uh, <laughs> we do have a load of pre-seasons booked. Uh, yeah. Loads of pre-seasons, and you know, I can't believe after. a yeah, after this long, someone what? told me the other day, "Yeah, there'll be loads of rugby in the future." I nearly threw my drink uh, drink across the room. Of course, there'll be loads of rugby in the future. We've not played for over eighteen. <laughs> well, not eighteen months. Well, near enough eighteen months. Actually, well, let's play, say, play let's, the game. Yeah, let's say you start playing senior rugby aged eighteen, and you go through till you're thirty six. Mm. Um, one eighteenth of your, or more than that, about it, yeah, one if you're fifth, lucky, one fifteenth if you're lucky and have no injuries or yeah, don't yeah. have kids or a job, which means you can't play for a period of time. One fifteenth, but it's, it's quite legitimate in a lot of cases. Ten percent, maybe even fifteen percent of your adult rugby yeah. what, you, has been taken from you, and to then deny people that, I think, I think's ridiculous. I think. Certainly in the Tokich situation, it's nothing like the the Oz. They've, they've got rid of scrums and lineouts for the time being as well. Yeah, well, that that's not our concern. I think our concern is, I think the best way I can put it is, it's like going to the gym every week or every day, stopping for a couple of months and then trying to get motivated to organise yourself to go get like get back get, get back to the gym. Some of the excuses like um, there'll be more rugby in the future. I mean, I just want to shoot myself. Um, the other one was, oh, the lads will get bored of rugby. Why join a rugby club? <laughs> Why do you think we're here? Uh, so there is a few issues. They'll, they'll get bored. Of tra- they'll lo- get bored of training with no yeah. outlet to oh, put I, that into practice. What's the point in training? What, what is the point? Yeah. So uh, the the um, proudest moment I have had, or one of the proudest moments I've had as someone involved in rugby, was December nineteenth when Stockport and ourselves played. Because we were two, the only two clubs in the northwest that I, that I know of who actually were bothered to play the game that we love so much on that single window. And the thing is, in the scenario that we find ourselves now, with all the fear mongering and all the nonsense about COVID, every chance you get to play the game, you need to field a team. Well, yeah, you I need was, to try. I was going to say, I, I, I don't want to don't want to go down a different path, and I definitely don't want to pour too much negativity on it. But I'm not, I'm not convinced you're going to be able to play rugby in December this year. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you if there was a period of time when you don't have it. So there, while, yeah, while gonna, you've got yeah. it, enjoy it. Yeah, I, I hope you're wrong. For, Get I, on the I field whilst you can. See something like, that. like some of the. I mean, the, trying to motivate some clubs are brilliant. Like old, like like old Winians are playing every week. Eccles playing every week. Uh, I'm sure, Ultram have had at least another game. Broughton Park have decided no games for us. Uh, Burnage have decided no games for us. Stockport ridiculous. are playing. Finsbury have not played yet. I don't know what Bedians are doing. But you know, there's loads of, and I, th- I well, from what I'm hearing, it, this is up and down the country. There's a slight reluctance to get the lads back together and just get them out on the field, which is exactly exactly what I think the women played. To be fair to to, to Didsbury, Didsbury is definitely a case of loving the social too too, too much. <laughs> it is definitely which that. is always dangerous. Yeah. Believe you me, uh, we are not. Um... If you run a team, let the boys play. Thank Absolutely. you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Never have truer words been spoken. Right. Should we go on to next week? What's happening next week? Premiership. Premiership. Three rounds to go. And the only real, the real big, well, I suppose we can be grateful that the uh, the top eight get into the Champions Cup from the point of view of we have meaningful rugby in that sense. Mm. But also it's meaningful in certainly 
when Bristol go to Sale, because that is Sale are trying to get a home semi final. Yeah, so this is the this is the most interesting game of the week, I would say. Yeah, I'm working this one. I'm really looking forward oh, to it. Awesome. Yeah. Are you going to come down to... So I'm meant to be camping with the family, right? Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. I'm back on Monday. So the podcast is going to be day, a day late. But it's, it's bank holiday, so it's fine. Bank holiday, yeah. yeah absolutely fine. Um, if, if, if I can go to sale, I will go to sale. And, uh, well, I don't really care what happens to, the, you know, to everyone else. Uh, and then drive to camping le- yeah, uh, later like- on. Half ten at night. Well, that, that's I'd, what I'm. So I'd, we were. I we fancy going to that, that game. Yeah, definitely. We'll, let's see if we can get Phil in as well. But we, we were meant to have a. Uh, well, we're going camping as well. But I've, I've, <laughs> we're leaving at ten p.m. or straight after the yeah, game. We're driving. Oh, so I've got to go and get the motor home from my dad. Where, where are you going? Uh, going to. Well, I've got a game at Exeter on the on Sunday. Sunday. So I'm going to get the motor home on the Saturday from my dad uh, in Kent, and then I'm driving that down to Devon. Wow! Uh, so, what? So that I can work. So I've right. So I've I'll got, tell you what, your carbon footprint, Tim, over the past few years. <laughs> I hope you're planting a lot of trees. I've got. Um, so I've nature's got, not healing around you, is it? <laughs> so, the, so the deal I've always had with uh, my Mrs. Kate is, she said, if you get off, it, it, every time you get offered a game or anything to do with rugby, say yes and we'll work it out. So mm. she's lived to regret that. I think to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> because uh, so where are you going camping? That's what I want to know. Um, down, well, her she's got her sister in Exmouth, so we're going to go down in Devon. Then we're going to go along the Jurassic Coast, Ooh. Weymouth Way, and then we've got some friends we're meeting in uh, the Cotswolds for a few days as well. But so I've got a, I've got a week or six days or whatever in a motorhome and three rugby games in amongst it. Sale, oh, awesome! Because nice. I've got London Irish on the on the following the Saturday following as well, week. so I get to go to that Brentford one. So I, uh, awesome. it's perfect. So I get like I get a week, but I still get <laughs> rugby matches. So I've got, so and, and you still get paid. Oh yeah, yeah. there's that, that too. Yeah, I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday in a campsite in Abbasoch. Two kids, two kids. Yeah, and I'm with my mum and my brothers and my sister. My mum has organised this thing. And she sent me pictures today of the barbecue that she's intending to use. She goes, like, what do you think? And it's like one foot by two foot. It's like, for 14 people? Are you insane? 14. 14 adults or 14 people? uh, 10 adults, 6 children. 10 adults, though. Yeah. That's not 14 people. Unless you're counting the children. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, there was 16 people. It doesn't really matter. It's too small. That's uh, that's cooking for lots of people is basically a logistics task, right? It's <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, there's no flair involved. It's Although, logistics. I, just one little thing just, I will say on barbecues. Okay, this there is an element where barbecues you massively over cater. Oh, this is my pet hate. This is my pet hate. No one would ever go to their kitchen, turn on the turn on the oven, exactly. and cook twenty sausages and, and eighteen burgers for four <laughs> mates, would they? But for barbecues, it's fine. Yeah, it's like oh, everyone needs. A, a steak and a lamb chop and a sausage they and don't. a burger yeah, yeah. Four and a sausage, chicken kebab. four sausages two yeah. burgers it's, and all the others it is my pet hate I I, I I count my guests and I count what we're having and then we say no all you're having is X <laughs> I, I really despise and do you know what I hate even more people that bring their own meat to my to, to, to my barbecue <laughs> as if I need some bird's eye bloody burgers uh, yeah, to throw I, on my like Argentine to... barbecue if, if, if I'm going to for a barbecue at JB's I purposefully go to Iceland <laughs> buy some 99p <laughs> and then uh, take his frost butchers beef burgers <laughs> and then have one of his frost butchers yeah, yeah, freshly made ones yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're right there Tim <laughs> I actually like barbecuing veg that is my favourite that, that is my favourite thing barbecued veg is Awesome. Isn't it? There's no, there's no problem with having a load of meat, over catering the amount of meat. 
it's the fact that it all gets cooked at the same time and then it all gets put in one in big dish. Big, a big congealed no. lump of meat. <laughs> it should, should be sort of... Well, particularly if you're having a steak, give it a couple of minutes so, on each side, then then off you go. When I was in South Africa, the way that I like them doing it there is they just put a bit of meat on on, on the barbecue, cut it up, and they and they walk around. And they carry on walking around with this, you know, steak which is cut, cut up, and they just look over and over and over again. That's how go. you do a barbecue. That's it. The because, South African braai. Yeah. Awesome. Rather than, like you say, just a mountain of meat to put oh. in some... Some white buns. Oh, it makes me. I, I remember in the very, very early days of the podcast when BT Sport invited us down to a rugby tonight to mm. chat backstage. We met Jacques Berger. Yes, we did, didn't and, we? And he told us about his wearing a light blue super dry shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a beautiful how memory. Could, how could I forget? <laughs> yeah, such a vivid memory. It was really. Do you remember how like exciting and new and amazing that felt? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was like yeah. mind and to find blowing. out that Jack Berger was there blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we drove, we drove down and back all in one day. Yeah, wasn't we, it? we did. So we did in two... Phil's mini. Yes, my old mini. They only got rid of this year. Well, I guess it was new to BT Sport as well because they were like, "Oh, how can we make this as exciting as possible?" Well, we'll incorporate yeah. fans. And after two seasons of fans, they're like, "Forget these guys. They've got. <laughs> they've fans. got to go. They've got to go. We yeah. can't have any more." Bloggers and no, no, off they well, go. Just yeah. think how different it could be if any other podcast had started when we started. It would have been them. Yep, it would have been mm. them going down, and that would have opened the door for them. And well, mm. and there you go, sliding doors. But no, I remember Jack Berger talking about the bry, and it was yeah, he just said it's you have to cook it, you have to cook it like this, and they put a bit of cheese and a bit of kind of. Mm. tomato chutney kind of thing that they cut yeah, up and that, that's exactly right that's oh. exactly so one of my biggest worries about this weekend right is there's no electricity so how do I make cocktails without ice <laughs> right this is this has been plaguing me and I, do you know what it's one of those things and there's a rugby lesson here as well when you look at a problem from a certain direction you can't get over it you need to look at the problem from a different direction so I can't chill my chill my liquids so so what am I going to do hot cocktails <laughs> that's the only thing that I can think of is I'm going to have to go well, for something hot with the weather as it has been this weekend you need a hot cocktail it's yeah. been ridiculous yeah yeah. Um, so like like, actual, like espresso martinis with actual hot espresso yeah 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 yeah. yeah. because I can't even chill beer so it's got to be, got to be red, red wine and some sort of hot kind of see I, I would have attacked it from another angle have you ever read about the um, ice industry from North America. Yes, I have, 17th, and it is fascinating. 17th, uh, 18th, 19th century. Yeah, it's amazing, Tim. You'll love this. It's unbelievable. So, oh. they used to, so North America, uh, the, the Great Lakes would obviously freeze in w- midwinter, and they would cut out blocks of ice, huge blocks of ice, that they would need teams of um, horses to drag out of the ice. And they would package them up with... Um, I mean, this is an so engineering these, feat in itself. It's well, amazing. So they would package them up um, with sawdust around them, a, a thick layer of a foot or two foot of sawdust, put that in a wooden box, put it on a boat, put lots of these on boats and send them all around the world so that if you were, say, I don't know, um, in the British Navy and you were enjoying a nice... Um, G&T? Chill drink, yeah, G&T. In, on the poor deck? In India you would have ice in your drink that was carved out of a North American lake yeah, you would transported get, around the world. You'd get plates of ice in the windows of department stores. Mm. And that's why Americans are so obsessed with cold drinks. And that's why they always talk about warm beer in, in the UK, because that's their thing. They, well, they were mining ice wow. and then bringing it down, down, down well, south. Do, do you know, the, 
the British Empire gets a bad rap it's, from... It's not a British... It's, it's American. It's not yeah. British. It's American. Oh, that, American? that was... That was yeah. They, well, were, they you, were selling oh, it all right, around. They, so they the British were... Navy would buy the blocks of ice to travel around the world on well, I mean, ships. you've got to fight. You've got to have gin tonics on your warship somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Inhumane. That reminds me, have you watched The Terror yet? I think you'd love it. No, I haven't. It's kind of... Uh, it's na- it's a naval... I'm in. British naval story with a little bit of Game of Thrones thrown in for good measure. Ooh. Just a little bit. What's on? Uh, I think it's on iPlayer. Perfect. But it's, it's th- So there were two British naval ships. I think I've mentioned this on the pod before. Two British naval ships that that did the tried to find that that little tried to find the way through the Arctic. There's one little bit they thought you could get through mm-hmm. at a certain time of year, uh, I and think they tried to do that expedition. And, and the two ships set off, and they got well, not giving too much away. They got stuck, and Uh-oh. then and then the guys on board. It was the it was imagining the story of what happened to the, gu- well, the if guys you, that were on board. If you hadn't wasted so much time already talking about things which aren't rugby, I would then I'd now tell you about the. Um, Russian nuclear-powered icebreaker. But I won't do that now. I'll save that for another <laughs> okay. day. Another right. time. Yeah. Um, Japanese Wagyu steak on a barbecue, apparently. Is- oh, I, I mean, I, I can't see why it wouldn't be amazing. Yeah. So, JB and Did I you have had, any in, we had, in Japan? We had, we had Kobe, which is like... Ooh. It's like, instead of having sparkling white wine, having champagne. Mm. It is the top level of Wagyu. And it was like... It's it's like someone had in, yeah, someone had infused pate with butter. Mm. It wasn't like meat. Wow. It, well, it wasn't like just a, a, a steak, a slab of meat. How, how much chewing did it require? Just chewing? None. Che- none. Chewing? None. It did, did it, it, like, did, it, did it, it melt? Did, saliva, yeah. did, it, did it break it down? Just, uh, it just uh, melts. I'm pretty sure you get wow. your money back if you chew. <laughs> it was... Wow. It was unbelievable. We had, we had, so good. We had prawns which were basically still alive. They were still alive. They were still alive. Well, when they, they, them, they, they jumped off the, off, off the barbecue. As they got put on the hot plate, <laughs> they, they were, they were <laughs> yeah, alive as yeah, they, they got they, put on. They, they cover them up, I think partly for steaming, but partly to make sure they don't jump anywhere. <laughs> Savages. It's awesome. Yep. That anyway, meal is quality. Anyway, if we've got some more rugby, we should do, do some rugby now. I'm, I'm just, by the way, I'm, no, I'll just say one thing. On the, on the, I'm, I'm just really pl- ploughing through the um, the Dan Carlin his, hardcore history, the, the one about Japan. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, Rising Sun. Yeah, Supernova in the East. Sorry, Supernova. Yes, yeah, Supernova yeah. of the East, and it's just yeah. and it's just at the point with yeah the, when yeah anyway. eat prawn, prawns and wagyu beef bit yeah, the prawns yeah, and wagyu yeah. beef and like, yeah. the, the wait for the strong zero one <laughs> yeah it's amazing strong zero <laughs> right next weekend yes so we've got Friday night lights. We've obviously we just mentioned it. Sale versus Bristol. That's what took us off on that random tangent: camping, <laughs> barbecues. Yeah. So. Who's going to win? Well done, Phil. <laughs> so, <laughs> frankly, I think Sale are going to give them an almighty beating. Wow. I really do. I think Sale are going to come out firing. They've got a point to prove. Bristol are playing a lot of rugby. They're very confident. They strike me to, to be one of those teams that is there ready for the taking. Do you know when you're playing really well and you can't imagine losing? That is when you lose. And I think that Bristol are there, and I think Sale wants to take them down a so peg or two. Are you saying Bristol may have peaked and might not get back to that level again and Sale are still have peaking to do? No, I actually think that this will do Bristol good. I think a loss to Sale will do Bristol good. To just to refocus our mind that you know hard rugby does still still exist. Uh, I think Sale will give them an absolute hiding. So give me Sale by ten points. Mm. I fancy Sale because they're at home to nudge this one. I fancy Bristol. What? How? Uh, top of the league. I'll tell you what. Handy team. Someone called Pat will do the. Interview afterwards as the winning coach. Yeah, there you go. Pat. Yeah, well, one of them. Not Alex. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, are you thinking Pat Sanderson? <laughs> I was thinking Pat Sanderson yeah. for a minute. I was thinking they're both called Pat for a second. Yeah, oh, well, yeah I, to be fair, I agree with that, because it took me a while to realise it wasn't Pat Sanderson. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, I thought I was being clever then, but <laughs> clearly not. Um, yeah, give me Bristol. Um, I think they'll have too much for sale. Okay. How? Where? Where? Where do you think it's win? When? E- everywhere. Everywhere. P- they, they will Sir be able Charles. to hold, hold them up front, and Sir Semi. Charles and... Randrandra. Gotta say, actually, if you think Orhan about the and Malins, and not, it's Sheedy. not a matchup. You'd rather if it, you were say we're going Hammersley versus Piatal. Well, you got James Hammers, James versus Randrandra. James Hammersley and say Marland go on one side, and then Byron on, Byron the, other on the other side. Byron's a superb defender, and the others, yeah. Yeah, okay, you know, they're competent professionals, and they're, that's not a dig. They are competent professionals. That's maybe not enough to deal with Radranda and Piatau and whoever. whoever Malin's looking nice yeah. on the wing. But here's the other thing, right? Do they get over the game line enough to play that style of rugby? And that's where it's going to fall down. It's not going to be one on the uh, on the outsides. It's going to be one on on the insides. I'm not too worried about that. Bristol, Bristol by five. Mm. Do you, do you think? How do you think Nathan Hughes holds up against? Against the priest, I don't think he does well when he's when he's matched physically. I think he's very good when he's on the front foot, and he's beating people up. I don't think I don't think they go forward at all. Actually, the more I think about it, I think they've got enough. We'll see. We will see. We'll this, find the, out. the one thing will definitely happen is we will see. Hopefully, we'll all be there to watch it as well. Yeah, I hope so. That would be awesome. Great. Um, Saturday, and well, there's another Friday night game. Oh right, cool. Gloucester, Gloucester London Irish, which is a uh, well, it's not a bottom of the table clash. London Irish still battling to get the top eight. Whether they want top eight is another qu- another matter. But um, Gloucester they, are they will. I think it's worth. Um, I, I might be rugby inside line. Uh, did some digging and it's worth about a quarter of a million quid. Okay, okay. So, so yeah, two one of the so half like, wingers, like about a, th- <laughs> a third of one year of Adam Coleman. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> not even a third of one I year do. of Adam Coleman. I think London Irish. Because we're getting to the point now where we can sort of tell about the season in general rather than just you know the last few weeks. I think they've done everything really well this season. I think for a, you know a team coming from where they have, they have done. Even though I mocked them at the start, and I think we all did for the amount of money they've spent on people. You understand what the strategy is now, and I think they'll well, be able to attract. When, when relegation was a thing, you totally understand the strategy, and it would have been vindicated. But do you know what? Looking at Worcester, Worcester needs to do what London Irish did, which is just buy. Older, experienced players. I didn't think this at the start of the season, but I do think it now. As, so long, as, as long as you can then weave in some of the talented youngsters. Yeah. Well, which the, which the, the, London Irish yeah. have done. And I will say on Worcester, well. is Nick David going to Quinns oh, has all of the hallmarks of, and by all accounts, Worcester let him go. Yeah, because they can guarantee him game time because of Nana. Okay. Uh, it has, it, this looks to me very much like a, we're Leicester Tigers, we don't need Harry Thacker because we've got, Tatafi Palotta now. It's a not a good look. I mean, I hated that. I absolutely hated it. Uh, and I bet Quinn's getting for a good deal too. Because you look mm. at Quinn's, you go, actually, I can win stuff at Quinn's. I can go there. I can make a name for myself. I can get some game time. I can get and, the and push for international. Yeah. yeah, that's what these players want. So now that London Irish have established themselves as a proper top top half of the table team, which is where I think they'll probably end up, they can then go and attract players like Nick David. When you know, I mean, you they. I don't think London Irish could attract players like Nick David if they came third from bottom. But I think in the top half, people think, yeah, okay, I can see myself I can see myself there, I can see a future there. And they can retain guys like Ben Loder yeah. and Ollie Hasselcollins and Ben Donald. But and to the, get there... Uh, the t- loosehead prop, who I really like, who I can't remember his name. Hoskins? Hoskins? No, uh, is it Goodridge Clark? Oh, uh, yes. Goodridge Clark, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, he is, I don't know if he's a tight prop, but he is uh, no, a prop. No, loose head prop. Loose head prop oh, sorry. right. There you go. Um, yeah, so to get there, Worcester need to spend like London Irish, which is not a monumentally attractive proposition if you're their owner. Yeah, and so it's, it's not what they've been doing for the last few years as well. They've been having a few key guys, um, Puhard and Bentio and Milani Nani and Johan van der Mille. I'm not sure I'd spend my money there. No. That's not where I'd spend ne- my money. Neither would I. Neither would I. Anyway, um, oh, did you see the London Irish news this week about uh, Theo Brophy Theo Brophy Clues retiring, yeah. What? How? On medical grounds. When? C- con- repeat concussions. Oh, how awful. Which is horrendous because he's... He's young. He's a young, a young, talented man. That is awful. Horrendous news. Um, anyway, Gloucester, Gloucester, London Irish. Gloucester at home. Anyone want to make any predictions? Not really. Can Gloucester get top eight still? They mathematically can. It looks unlikely. Hey, not to disrespect the premiership or anything, can I get excited about Benetton representing the Pro 14 against the South African team yet? Um, it, there's nothing this week, so they're still top. For, still an, t- for another week, they're so still top. if they yeah. win the next one, can will they be the winners of this thing? Uh, the Mushroom Cup? Yeah. I can't remember. What and then they get to play the Sharks or someone. Let me have a look. Oh, I did look it up previously. While you're looking that up, I've just got to mention the Major League Rugby getting excited. My boys, Nola Gold, got a win against the Utah Warriors this weekend, which puts them top of their conference uh, the um, the what's the team that uh, oh man what's the team in uh, LA Gilgronies Gilgronies yep the Gilgronies are top of the other conference and are top overall but it looks awesome and one thing you'll love JB there was there are videos posted every week by Major League Rugby biggest hits of the week there we go it's easy isn't it when you know how <laughs> biggest hits of the week with it has heavy rock music interspersed with massive tackles and in in between some of the massive tackles they have the odd little scuffle and fire really they have um and at the end they had little bit pictures of uh, players downing a beer out of a man of the match cup yes. awesome. so it's like awesome. it's exactly what you're uh, if uh, to you, be honest i'm not interested in that. I, i'm looking forward to their mental health campaign <laughs> well they're doing that as well this week actually as Major League Rugby so me- mental fitness they're doing as well so you, you can cover all uh, no to hate they're doing a no to hate weekend yet because that's, that, that, that's the only way that I'd watch not that I'm aware of but one thing to watch uh. out for is June the 5th um, it, I think this week this weekend New York played the New England Free Jacks which is a tasty little rivalry so New York have the worst kit I've ever seen although <laughs> I appreciate it because of its uniqueness and it's is that the baseball yeah it's horrendous pinstripe it? one it's like the Yankees though isn't it yeah yeah I appreciate it I, it's horrendous but I appreciate it in the same yeah. way that I appreciate the Ospreys kits now because it's part of Ospreys <laughs> heritage to have yeah. a disgusting kit um, but the kits in the uh, MLR are absolutely awesome I, generally, you know, across the board the Gilgronis awesome Giltini sorry awesome the Austin Gilgronis kit I really like um the Toronto Arrows, awesome. Yeah. The Free Jacks, awesome. Yeah. Like, all the kits are pretty good. Nola Gold's quartered kit, yeah. awesome, my boys. I, I tell you what, it, may, it might just be an American thing. I tell you the, the stash I really like. It's not even rugby. I like in Inter Miami's stash and their badge. Have you seen them? Oh, yes, I have. So cool. I have seen that. No, I've not seen it's it. It's like you've got yeah. little uh, flamingos. It's all pink. David Beckham's uh, oh, yeah. MLS franchise yeah um one game to watch out for uh which i would if we go to an mlr game next, <laughs> when we go next, to an MLR when we go to an mlr game next year what about the texas cup match between houston and austin 
Can't see any downsides to it. Yeah. That is that, that, awesome. That's happening on June the 5th. So, um, yeah, uh, all, all the games are uh, free to stream on the Rugby Network app. Mushroom Cup, yeah. So, Benetton, top, the only un- unbeaten team. In the whole competition, north and uh, south, they have... So, there's three more rounds left, oh. of which Benetton have a buy in one of them. Okay, so that's good. They've only got two more rounds. Oh. The two teams they have to play are... They host, they host um, Connacht. Winnable. And they travel away in the last game to Ospreys. That's actually two... <sighs> it's, it, it's not impossible. But if they win one, that, that should be enough, shouldn't it? Well, no, because it's the top team in each conference. Then, according to this, play off against each other. So the top... The top mushroom, mushroom Cup final. Play off against the top Northern Hemisphere team. So they really need to win both of them. Both of those games. And then they might I'm get a South con- African team. I'm not convinced that will happen. That I mean, it was it was rumored not to be happening. I think what happen. I'm looking at does say it will happen, but they've, they've, I'm not certain. They've shut down uh, rugby below pro level in South Africa, I believe, this week. Mm. Ugh, mind mind boggles. All right. Anyway. Uh, so next Premiership game. Uh, so Saturday we've got a two o'clock kickoff, which is Harlequins against Bath, which is going to be a home win. Home win. Yep. We then got Worcester hosting Leicester, which Leicester will get. Some of the badness out of their system. Mm-hmm. I, I say home win, but Quinns have got less on the line now. Well, no, because they'll no, because they want to push. Because then they're, they're uh, not. They're not now. They're now not looking below them, but might they be looking above them? So they, no, they can't get second. Get third. They can still get third. They can still, they still technically can get, get second. They, they could. They could mathematically get second. Okay, mm. so they'll they're go not. Through, they're yeah. not home going win. to get second. Home win. They're only three points behind Sale. I think if I'm home win. Harlequins, not to be hor- a horrible cynic, I I don't want any more injuries. I mean, my whole team is predicated on the fact that we can have consistent selection. You know, I do not want another important guy get, get, going down. I'm not even sure. I Maybe I would start Marcus Smith, but if we win, he comes off. As it's a home game, maybe they go for this, get, get the win. Then yeah. They, then, then they could go, we've got a yeah. three-week three process now to build to... That's what I would do. They, do. they do still need one more win. Yeah. If, if they don't get yeah. one more win, Northampton still win. can get top four. Home win. Yeah. So, Will Evans is not coming back. I think Esther Hazen can come back for the final. Yeah, Esther Hazen not can, play, can play again. Semi-final. Yeah. So, yeah, so if he's back, that's, that's massive. In fact, he might even be back for the last league game. Esther Hazen, yeah, will, be, maybe, back. will might, be back. That's yeah. enormous. That we'll is absolutely back. enormous. Yeah. So the last thing you want is Esther Hazen back and Don Brown out or something like that. that Marcus Smith out. God, no. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so are you going for a home win or are you going for a bath win? Oh, I'm going for Harlequins win. Okay. No, he's going for Bath to be 12 0 up after 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think Bath go up. And then you, then and you then lump on Quins. Yeah. <laughs> Eight pound on to Quins. <laughs> um, yeah, Worcester hosting Leicester. Which Leicester, mm, there's no point in resting anyone. They might as well just play their strongest team. Yep. Um, well, they, well, they need to, they will get top eight, but they need to get top eight now. Yeah, they do need to get top eight. They're not actually good because they're only two points ahead of Bath in ninth. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, so they, be, they'll they be going do, for it. They need to win. I think I'd like to finish ahead of Bath as well. That's yes. quite a driver anyway. So, yeah. So yeah, uh, Le- Leicester uh, to win that. Away win. Uh, and then Northampton host Wasps. Um, That'd be mm. a good game. It, it should be. Uh, both teams need a win. Um, both teams need to improve their season. Uh, give me Wasps. Well, I, for some reason, I, I was... For some reason, I'm thinking away win, but no, I'm going to go home win. Give me wasps. 
Give me Saints. If you were Dan Bigger now, now you know we're probably not going to... I mean, no, they've got to go for it on this one, haven't they? This is Dan, this is Dan Bigger thinking, last game. No, this, no, this, this is, is my last game. game. If Bigger even This plays. is Dan Bigger's... Right, Dan Bigger, what he needs to do now is he needs to make sure he's getting value for the 10% of his salary that gives away to his agent. Right, His agent needs to step in and say, Dan, you're not playing. No matter how much you want to play, you're not playing. Because Dan Bigger will want to play. It, yeah, that's, yeah. It, it's his mindset, it's his character. He wants to get out there and play. You can't play. Yeah. No way. No way. So, no. I am, I'm normally with players playing whenever they're fit and available. He should not play. If, if I was his agent, I'd, I'd tranquilise him. Oh, no, he went off with a concussion, concussion yeah, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Um, he's had concussions in the past. Yeah, you're he right. Sh- he should not be going you're right. anywhere near you're right. Just right now. Chill, yeah, Dan, just chill. You're a hero, you're a legend. Focus on some South African game, game tape. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Sunday, Tim, you'll be there. Extra Chiefs hosting yeah. Newcastle Falcons. Which is nothing but a home win. Yeah, that was I, wanna, I wanna see Dave Ewers and Carl Ferns start six. Go head head to head. I think yeah. Ferns will come off the bench and I think he'll come off about ten minutes into the second half. Because it looks like that's how it looks to me is if they're giving him ten minutes. Yeah, when well, Newcastle are gonna change a team that's won two in a row and has put them in with a shout of getting yeah. top eight. Because yeah. I'm actually watching Newcastle Falcons quite closely now for obvious reasons. Callum Chick's a good player. He's a really yeah. good player. Bloody hell. I've, I've, he's one of my um, guys that I would get into the Saxons. Like, how, how old is he? 25, something like that. 25, 26. He carries a ball he's not bloody old. well. I don't think he's old. He must be English, I yeah, assume. Yeah, t- 25. I wonder if he'll be like the next Mark Wilson, which completely ignored until he's not, and then makes an impact. Yeah. He's talented, number eight. Yeah, he is. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. All done, aren't we? Done. Right. Jobs are good enough. There we go. Uh, thank you very much for watching on YouTube. Before you go, just hit that like button and uh, hit the little red subscribe button. That'd be cool as well. And uh, just to make sure that it was every bit as good as you're thinking that was right now, make sure you go and hit subscribe on your podcast oh, feed yeah. so you can listen to the podcast form of it tomorrow. If you're listening on a podcast right now, hit subscribe, get onto our YouTube channel, go to patreon.com slash eggchasers. He's at Moore on Twitter. We're at Rugby Podcast. This week, I'm not going to tweet. I said that last week, and I did. But now I'm really not going to. I, I've, so I'm going to be on, lurking. On, on, on Twitter, I've had enough. I've had enough. Not because of something else anyone else has done. It's dawned on me. It is the worst format for me. I tweeted today, and I don't notice that, the, that my spell checker is putting in a different words to the word that, that I think. And I, now, that, then it's like, this is clearly the worst form of communication for a, for a dyslexic ever. So that's it. I, I think I'm done. If I want to communicate, I'll tell you on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's <laughs> perfect for you because not only can you say it rather than write it, yeah, you well, can, context. You can uh, explain your points. Yeah, rather than no. Rather, rather yes. than be condensed down into... Yeah. Long. The... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Although I won't stick to that. Right. <laughs> um, just, right. just on Calm Chick, he played in... Um, winning 2016 England Under-20s that won the World Cup. He did! Alongside a few few good names, alongside Marchant, Max Malins was in there, Malinder. Harry Malinder was yeah. 10. Uh, who else was in there? George Knott, oh, Will there's Evans. That, there was that winger, the, the rapid winger, I think he's... Asp- um, Aspinall, As- Asp- Aspinall, yeah, Aspinall Rob- Robinson. Robinson. Asp- Aspin- yeah, that one. Uh, Thorley was on the bench, Harry Randall was on the bench... One of the Kitchener boys, good family, was, Great was on family. the bench. Great was family. Jack, I assume it's was Will Jack, Stewart. Was, was the Bath hooker the, the hooker done? Uh, no. Singleton was playing. Oh, was it Singleton? Jack Walker. Yeah. Jack Walker did play under twenties though, definitely. Mm. Okay. Um, cool. West as loose head prop. Will Stewart as tight head prop. Nice. So, look, 
so oh, one hell of a team. And one of the Willis boys, presumably. So what do you think um, of this? Willis. So what? So what do you think of this? Um, do you think it, this does show that if you play for Newcastle and you're a talented player, that you won't get pit pit pit, pit for England? No. Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 